Oh, hey, how's it going? Yeah, I'm just here scratching the surface of Trevor Gilly's career. Are you ready for round two? Nystrom, Nystrom's really getting some good right hands in. Gillies is down with Sandstrom. Somebody better help Sandstrom. Everyone must be held accountable for their actions. You cannot see your star carried out in a stretcher and do nothing about it. Oh my, did Mick plant one on C-card. Wow. You can't put a bounty on a man's head. I just did. The spinning, spinning, who's he going to go after? The puck drops and Bob Hunter goes right to King Flaxman. But just a minute, Al Arbor has won four Stanley Cups, so don't start telling Al Arbor what to do, you and John Davison. Welcome back to Coliseum Chronicles, the Penalty Box. I'm your host, Joe Lazito. So this is part two of episode 48 with Trevor Gillies. I really want to thank everybody who uh, sent me some feedback on uh, part one. It was uh, it, it was so great to see and hear that you guys enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed interviewing Trevor. Um, this is part two. We got another three hours of conversation here, and as you heard at the beginning of the episode, I am—I uh, feel like we've barely scratched the surface. So there will be plenty more to come from Trevor in the weeks to come, starting with next week, hopefully. So uh, first things first, if this is your first time listening, I highly encourage you to go back and check out the back catalog. If you're not interested in going all the way back, I would definitely recommend going back one week and listening to part one so you get a feel for uh, what this whole thing is about if you're a returning listener thank you very much i appreciate the fact that you think highly enough of the guests to tune in again but uh, for everyone who's listening whether it's your first time or uh your 48th time or your 60th time whatever it is thank you very much uh, for listening it means the world to me uh if you could do me a favor uh, the platform that you're listening to this on, whether it's iTunes or Amazon or Stitcher, Podbean, whatever it is, could you please go and subscribe to the show? Could you like it, rate it, review it? Whatever it is that you do on that platform, uh, it brings uh, greater visibility to the show when people search for hockey or fighting or however that works. I don't really know. Uh, I'm not saying that I am going to even look into it, but I think uh, the more ratings and reviews that I get, it brings a little bit more visibility to it. And like I always say, the advantage of being a subscriber is that you will get these episodes minutes after they are uploaded. For example, today is Sunday, February 21st, 2021. This will be uploaded probably by 1.15, 1.30, depending on how long I yammer on for in this intro. 
you will get it immediately if you're a subscriber. If you're not a subscriber, it will be up some point. It'll be up at some point tomorrow. Why wait? Click that subscribe button. You get them right away. And, you know, as I said last week, there's no more football. So what are you doing on a Sunday anyway? Watching uh, SVU reruns? I mean, really. Just uh, subscribe. It'll break up your day a little bit. And especially with these Gillies uh, episodes, it'll take out a it'll take up easy for me to say a big chunk of your day. So subscribe. What do you have to lose? Nothing. It's free. Subscribe. If you're on Twitter, I have two Twitter accounts at Joe underscore Lozito and at Kali Sinbin Pod. The Joe Lozito Twitter is my personal Twitter. Nothing too serious on there. Mostly sports. Um, I I bag on Governor Cuomo a little bit because he's such an asshole. Every now and then, uh, De Blasio. But for the most part, it's it's mostly sports, mostly hockey, maybe a little football thrown in there, um, maybe a little fighting, a little baseball, but nothing too serious in there. You know, like I always say, we all have those friends who became political experts and disease experts and all these other bullshit things in the last five years and you get plenty of that on your feed so i uh i will provide none of that so uh give it a follow i'll follow you back and if you're listening to this that means you are either an islander fan or a fan of the enforcers and if that or both and if that's the case you'll like the content on the Kali sinbin pod twitter account as well again follow me i'll follow you back now, not everyone is on Twitter. If you're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Coliseum Chronicles podcast. And if you're on Instagram, Coliseum underscore Chronicles underscore podcast. So all that stuff, all those accounts, the uh, Facebook and the Instagram, it's you're going to find the same content on there as the Coliseum Bin Pod uh, Twitter account. Uh, fight pictures, um, enforcer birthdays. Uh, I've been doing the last few weeks uh, Bridgeport Sound Tiger stuff. So it's all related to the show, all related to the Islander organizational enforcers that uh, I interview on the show. Some I, I haven't gotten the chance to interview yet, some I'll never interview. But it's all that good stuff. So, again, if you're listening to the show, you may as well follow that stuff, and I will follow you back in kind. Now, merchandise. I have merchandise. Teespring.com slash stores slash Coliseum hyphen Chronicles hyphen merch. I know, I know, that's a lot. You didn't have a pen ready. Even if you did, you probably got to teespring.com slash. You have no idea where to go from here. It's very simple. Scroll to the bottom of the episode description that you are currently listening to, and there is a direct link to the store right at your fingertips. One click, and you'll be at the store. Now, every week, I do a listener-exclusive discount, 20% off. Today, there are four Islander birthdays. Uh, well, technically there are two Islander birthdays as, uh, one of the players was in camp with the Islanders and one of the players played in Bridgeport. Two of them played on the Island. One of those players is James Wisniewski. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to all four guys. But the code this week for 20% off is, is going to be Wiz20, W-I-Z-2-0, Wiz20. So, Use code WIZ20 in the store. Get 20% off anything in the Coliseum Chronicles, the Penalty Box merchandise store. That code will be good until March 1st. Have at it. T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, onesies, leggings, totes, posters, um, towels, 
anything that you need and plenty of stuff that you don't need but you know you want. Did I say onesies? I mean, it's cold out. People aren't going out. You know what you're doing. You might need a onesie nine months from now. So definitely uh, check those out because you never know. So um, do yourself a favor. Do me a favor. Check out the store. Code WIZ20, 20% off. When you go to that store, why I am so excited about that merchandise is because of the logo. The logo was done by local Long Island artist Joe Marisich. Joe is available for hire. If you're a Jets fan, an Islanders fan, or a Mets fan, he is. his social media is full of art pertaining to those three teams. He seems to be less on the Jets lately. Um, maybe because they suck, I don't know. But uh, their, their season runs parallel. A lot of it runs parallel to the hockey season, and he's way more involved in the Islanders. And lately he's been starting up with his Mets art. Uh, definitely worth the follow. Definitely check out Joe's art. He's then, like I said, he's available for hire. Contact him for all your art project needs. On Twitter, he's at GraphicsJoker or at the website loudegg.com. You can reach Joe. Let him know that you heard about him on the show. I don't think it's going to get you anything in terms of discounts, but why not? Just let him know. And then uh, let's see what happens. You have nothing to lose, right? I'll 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 say this. Um I want to do something. I want to make new t-shirts. The uh the classic t-shirt will still be available. Uh I want to make new t-shirts and the logo will be slightly altered and I want to add lettering around it. So if anyone out there is skilled in graphic lettering, I could provide the logo. I know exactly what I want. Um, I could tell you, and then you could let me know if you're able to do it, and we can go from there. Uh, I can I can send you, uh, let me get the calculator out. Uh, I could send you exactly $0, but I will be more than happy to send you um, a t-shirt or a hoodie or something like that with, uh, with what you've done. Uh, I'm not asking you to design a logo. I'm just asking for someone that is adept at lettering around a logo. So, um, like I said, I'm more than happy to compensate you with some merchandise, and $0, Canadian or U.S., your choice. Some podcasts you should give a listen to aside from this one. If you're interested in this, you'll definitely be interested in these. Fourth Line Voice, my friend Darren up in Saskatoon. He started this whole thing. Uh, as far as I know, I mean, there may have been people that tried this before him, but um, I don't think there were, and they're definitely not as good. Uh, his podcast, Fourth Line Voice, his latest episode was with someone I am a monster fan of, Carlin Nordstrom. Uh, I first became familiar with uh, Nordy. Oh, let me see. I would think Fort Wayne. I saw him on some fight tapes from Fort Wayne. Uh, then I know, uh, you know, moved on to Rochester. I spoke about uh, Calder Cup, Greg Walters, and Roger Maxwell incident last week. Uh, Nordy was on that team. And uh, later on, many years later, he played with uh, Dean Ewan in Colorado Springs. So uh, so I love Nordy. I think he's tough as nails. And uh, the interview is really well done. Um, so I would definitely recommend going back and listening to that interview. Darren puts out two interviews a week. Uh, midweek is the player interview. And on Sundays, I told him to call them shit show Sundays. I hope he's going to adopt that nickname permanently. It's more of a uh, ranty type episode with stuff during, you know, stuff that has gone on in uh, hockey during the week. Most of the stuff is uh, like bullshit in the media. You know, these whiny bitches up in Toronto that complain about stuff all the time in the hockey news and the athletic and all these other publications where 
these idiots have free reign to just whine and bitch and complain about everything. So Darren and I are usually on the same page about a lot of those things. And those are the Sunday episodes. They're pretty funny. Uh, also, now he has uh, reemerged on Facebook. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, so you read some of those comments from some of the people in the groups. And, uh, boy, it makes you shake your head. So, uh, so I know him and I have had a conversation or two about that. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting when you get back on there and, uh, and you see what, what is actually out there. But but definitely check it out. So today's Sunday. I have not received the notification yet for his Sunday episode, so I don't know what that is going to be about. But last Wednesday, like I said, great interview with Carlin Nordstrom, so definitely give that a listen. Also, on YouTube, Darren has a uh, channel, Fourth Line Voice YouTube channel. All the hockey fights you could ever want or need. I believe right now he is well over 2,200 fights. And as I am fond of saying, if you've ever watched a fight on YouTube, chances are it was on the Fourth Line Voice YouTube channel. And he takes requests, too. If you uh, ask him, hey, do you have this guy's fight? you have any fights of this guy? Uh, you have any fights from this team? He'll accommodate you. He's very good that way. So, uh, so definitely check out his channel. Send him a comment. Um, like I said, you want to see fights of a guy. I know um, players' families. I think he said a few players, their kids actually reached out to him to see if he had any fights of their dad. So um, just reach out to him. If there's someone you want to see, he'll definitely hook you up. So uh, like I said, check out Fourth Line Voice Podcast. Another podcast, Five for Fighting Podcast with Alec Olin Salen, the kid from Tampa, who I am going to say from now until the summer, maybe my future neighbor. So Alec, like I said, I'm going to get you the dates, keep them clear. You and your buddies can help, uh, come and help unload the moving truck, possibly. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. But Alec is the host of the Five for Fighting podcast. He is now back from the hiatus, real-life hiatus. He had a lot of real-life stuff to take care of, So, uh, but he's two episodes in since his return. The first episode was sort of just a return episode, what he's been up to, uh, trying to get everybody up to speed. But this week he released a player interview with John Hewitt, which was awesome. Uh, John was a great guest. Alec did a great job. And I believe John's dog, Zeus, I believe uh, his name is, made a few appearances on the show. Now, I think Alec does the video stuff, of course, on uh, on the podcast side of it. it. Only only the audio is released. But whenever someone names their dog Zeus, I always wonder if they have this massive dog where the name applies or if they have like a poodle or something named Zeus. So I'm curious about that, although I don't think John Hewitt is going to own a poodle. But I always wonder that when you hear names like Zeus and stuff like that. So, But definitely check it out. Check out Alex's back catalog as well. And if you're on Facebook, he is the czar of the Enforcer Appreciation page, uh, 12, 13, 14,000 members strong. And, uh, you know, like I was saying with Darren being back on Facebook and we were discussing some of the people in these groups. Uh, listen, I'm not going to lie. You you get any group on Facebook and it, has not, it doesn't have to be enforcers or hockey or anything like that. I uh, I routinely leave groups all the time just because it's an open forum and there's no test required to be qualified in these groups. And um, God almighty, I, it's incredible. It's it's actually incredible. Um what people have no regard for for their I don't want to say reputation because maybe they don't really give a shit but wow stuff you put out there is potentially forever and it's a representation of yourself and I think people just don't I don't know I don't know 
And there are a few of those people in the Enforcer Appreciation page. Um, you know, I personally go to the page for the insights from the former players, and there are some very, very knowledgeable fans on there too. The issue becomes, I think there are people that just have nothing to do during the day and they make comments on every single post all the time. And some of it is, uh, it's a bit much, you know, there was uh Scott Stevens uh, thread this past week where Darren got involved and he's in there. I mean, he likes to mix it up a little bit. I, I just read it and shake my head and move on, but Darren likes to, uh, to get into it. But uh, you know, I don't know, like I, for me, it would be hard for me to criticize a guy like Scott Stevens. Uh, a guy's been in uh, war after war. He's the Stanley Cup champion. I don't think he's in the Hall of Fame, but he should be. Um, just a tough guy, and yet, uh, you know, I don't know if people just, they hear a guy like Ty Domi uh, disparage him, and all of a sudden they think it's gospel. I, I honestly don't know, but uh, that's kind of some of the stuff you'll see in any sort of group. But I highly encourage you to join the Enforcer Appreciation page. If for no other reason, there's a ton of ex-players on there. And to be honest, their opinion is the only one that matters because they've actually done the job. Uh, they played professional hockey. They've dropped the gloves. They've been in the wars. So really, who cares about anything else? And most of them are really cool and they're very friendly and they're, they'll uh, engage in conversation with you because a lot of these guys never made the big bucks. So they're working guys just like you and I and they treat you that way. So um, I highly encourage you to check out the Enforcer Appreciation page. Also, Alec runs the QSPHL slash LNEH jersey and equipment page. Um, I love looking at that stuff. Some of those jerseys are pretty wild. Um, it's not as active as I'd hope it would be. Uh, you know, I guess I'm partly to blame. I really have nothing to add to that page, but uh, I wish more people would pick up on it and, and put their stuff up there because I love looking at that stuff. And whether or not you're a fan of the league, um, it's part of hockey history. So, uh, so if you don't know too much about it, I'd start with that page, get a look at the jerseys, get a look at some of the players that were there and, uh, and go from there, decide what you want to do after that. And as I said last week, uh, my friend Bobby Longgrass up in Ontario, he's the host of the bucket drop podcast. He took a few months off. Uh, he's got a little girl, he's a young family and everything. So, uh, I wasn't sure he was coming back. And then, uh, about a week and a half ago, I got a, a notification on my phone that a new episode was available. And then this week, I got a um, notification that another episode was available. So he's put out two episodes, real quick episodes. I think uh, both were less than 10 minutes. And uh, I think this latest episode, he kind of focused on um, the Canadians, which are his team, which is his team, uh, Ottawa and Toronto. So I think he's focusing on those teams pretty much. I don't know if he's going to uh, talk much about the teams out West, but quick hit episodes, maybe 10, 15 minutes. Maybe it's just stuff that's on his mind. I don't know, but um, you know, I like Bobby. So I like hearing what he has to say. So I would definitely check out uh, those three shows. Uh, as far as Bobby goes, check out his back catalog because prior to this latest incarnation of the show, uh, he did a lot of interviews too. So uh, he had some pretty good guests on there and uh, it's definitely worth going back, especially if he's just going to proceed now with these shorter, quicker episodes, probably worth your time to go back and, um, and check out his back catalog too. As I said, when I mentioned Alec, I want to make this, uh, I want to make this announcement that I will be making every week. You better not fast forward this. I'm telling you, don't fast forward through this. Listen to this. God damn it. So, I made reference to Alec potentially being my neighbor. 
And that's because the Lazito family are looking into relocating to Florida. So what does that entail? Well, I need a job. And you fuckers know people down in Florida. Everybody knows someone. And and if you're listening, I would say half the people listening, you got your job because you know someone somewhere. Because that's how the world works. So I'm coming to you people and asking you, if you live in Florida and have a job, go to your boss and see if you're hiring. If you know someone in Florida, ask them to ask their boss if they're hiring. Because I need, I'll need a job. Unless I win the lottery between now and then. But chances are I'm not going to. I've been practicing for that lottery win for, you know, I'm 50. So what, 35 years, 30 years? I still haven't perfected it yet. So please, if you have any contacts down in Florida, please let me know. Please refer me. I am going to need a job. And just think, one of you people out there can help me out and help out my family. So keep me in mind if you know someone down there. Help me out uh, because uh, what these dickheads up here running this state are doing it's they're tearing it apart the state is in shambles and um this might be the best time for us to get out especially because i have no idea when uh, i could return to work when my industry is going to reopen so um you know hook me up help me out so if you know anyone down in florida please let me know please let them know that uh you know a pretty awesome guy that might be looking for work around summertime so uh like i said help me out thank you very much in advance so <clears throat> I'm almost done here. Let's see. How long have I been ranting for so far? 20 minutes. This is great. I'm way ahead of schedule. I want to try to keep these a little shorter than this, but this is way shorter than normal. So we get to the 2020-2021 Islanders slash Bridgeport Sound Tigers fight report. Only one fight to report this week, but thankfully the Islanders finally have a fighting major, major and despite what Island, the Islanders' Twitter says, they did get five minutes for fighting, not two minutes for fighting. So let's let's get that straightened out. Uh, you can go back on their Twitter. Uh, I don't know. Um, they said that they got two minutes for fighting, but obviously they got five minutes for fighting. Casey Zizekas against Brandon Tanev from February 18th, 2021. Now, I believe it was the game before. Tanev cross-checked uh, Casey Zizekas. No penalty was called. What else is new when it comes to Pittsburgh? And uh, Casey took matters into his own hands. Uh, did very well in the fight. I don't really know much about Tanev. To be honest with you, before I looked him up the other night after the fight, I thought he was Russian. I don't know, Tanev. That could be a Russian name. Turns out he's Canadian. Who knew? But uh, Casey did very well in the fight. And finally, finally, after, what, 15 games, whatever it was, the Islanders register their first fighting major. So it took took them long enough, but hopefully it's not the last. I was really hoping to see at least one more last night in the game against Pittsburgh, uh, against that dickhead Matheson. You know, he plays the role. He's he's funny. Like he'll cheap shot guys and he'll he'll play tough. And then when guys challenge him, like Martin did uh, the two two games ago, he turtles. He, he you know he's just uh, he's a bluff. You know, basically that's what it comes down to. But he did cheap shot Barzell. He did uh, take out. Uh, boy Chuck last year in the playoffs. Uh, this guy needs to be taught a lesson. And uh, with this season, the way it is where you're going to play each team seven times, uh, I don't know how many games are left against Pittsburgh, but I'm hoping that something happens to this guy. Um, sorry if that's uh, hard for you to hear, but, you know, hockey's, even though they would like you to believe otherwise, it's still a game where you can have frontier justice. And uh, hopefully down the road, uh, Matheson is taken care of. So, uh, I'll be definitely definitely something for you to watch uh, future games against Pittsburgh. It's definitely something I'm going to pay attention to. 
And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, listen, I was hoping that something would be done first or second shift last night. Obviously, as, as the game goes on, it's harder to do that stuff, especially last night was a tight game for uh, for most of it, and you're not going to risk anything. So, um, you know, the opportunity has to present itself after a certain amount of minutes into the game. This kind of thing maybe needs to be taken care of early in the first period next game. But uh, fingers crossed it does. Hopefully it does. And, um, you know, this guy, think twice about cheap shotting guys in the Islanders. So, uh, and you send a message to the league. So the Islanders are now 8-6-3 and three. with the loss to Pittsburgh last night. They are now out of playoff contention. They have the same point. Not out of playoff contention. They're out of a playoff spot. I'm sorry. Um, they do have the same amount of points as Pittsburgh. They have one less win. Oh, but they have uh, three more loser points or two more loser points. I guess those loser points don't really uh, matter too much if you're not wins. But, uh, you know, NHL people love those loser points. But I digress. Right now they are uh, tied with Pittsburgh but out of the playoffs. Still plenty of time left to go. But uh, things can change quickly now with all these four-point games. Bridgeport Sound Tigers, no fights this week. They are holding steady at two. They are now one and four. And I'm just going to say this for the last time. Probably not the last time, but I've watched all five games. And I don't know if if it's because there's no crowd. Um, th- these games have serious lulls in them. And, um, you know, it's not – listen, everyone that's in the NHL – you know, they're in the NHL. They are at the top of the heap. American League, you're always going to get different levels of player in there. And there are some players in the American League that are going to go on to long NHL careers. And there are some players that uh, will never progress higher than the American League. And there are some players who will go to the East Coast League next year. You know, there's there's many different levels of player in the American League. And, you know, when the NHL decides to try to eliminate fighting, that stuff trickles down to the leagues below. And I know the NHL... They don't want to. They're not concerned with the American League. They're not concerned with the East Coast League or the United League or any of the other leagues. They're they're concerned about the NHL. But you know, to be honest with you, these games, the five games I've watched with Bridgeport so far, there have been two fights. Uh, Helgeson's had a fight, and Kyle McLean's had a fight. They really should. Honestly, I'm sorry if this offends you. Well, if you're listening to this show, it's not going to offend you, but. There have been times in every game so far where they could have used a fight to spark the team. And they haven't played poorly. It's not a question of effort, and it's not a question of skill. The effort's there. The skill is there. Um, But there's just, I don't know, like you just need a spark at times. I definitely think uh, Yannick Turcotte out there running around, getting shit started, uh, I think he can make a difference. And I'm not saying you're going to give Yannick Turcotte a regular shift. I, I would love for him to get a regular shift. At this point, I'd be happy if he got a shift, a period. I'd be happy if he took the warm-up. Um, but I think a guy like Yannick Turcotte out there, you put him in, you know, you know, listen, you're not going to put him in every game, but you're only playing two teams this year. The whole season, you're playing Hartford and Providence, get him in there, let him, let him, you know, get some intimidation going because I don't know anyone on Hartford and Providence. I don't think they have a guy that can match Turcotte in ter- in the muscle department. I don't know. They may have a Yannick Turcotte on their team that they don't dress either, but looking at their roster, I don't think they do. Um, and a guy like Mike Cornell, who, you know, I've said it before, he, uh, both Mike and Yannick have been guests on the show. Uh, Mike Cornell hits like a train. And there are times where someone like Yannick Turcotte can go in and make things happen. He'll just, he could just grab a guy and go to town. And Mike can do that too. But Mike also, listen, everyone hits, 
it's just a, a question of how hard do you hit, how heavy do you hit. And Mike is, to me, the best hitter on the team, but you wouldn't know that because he doesn't play. And there are times where the momentum of a game can change with a big hit or a fight, and both those guys bring it. And again, I tweet about this all the time. I understand the the way it is. Um, neither of those guys are on two-way deals with you know signed to the Islanders, so they're not going to play as much as guys that are signed to the Islanders and are sent down to Bridgeport. Um, that being said, I mean, I don't know. Like at this point, do I need to watch Tom Kunakel? I, I mean, I don't know. Do I? Does he have to play every game down there? I don't know. I don't think so, but what do I know? You know, and listen, I'm a true believer in the Lamarillos, and uh, I think, you know, I, I will always defend them. They've been in hockey forever. And uh, like I say, Lou Lamarillo farted out more hockey knowledge this morning than I'll ever have. But, fuck, some of these games, it's like for 10, 20 minutes at a time, I'm watching the game going, there's just no spark. There's no fire. You know, get these guys in there. So I'm going to beat that drum for the whole season, and uh, it won't matter at all. They're, they're not going to get in because I'm bitching about it, but I'm still going to do it. Someone needs to uh, talk about these guys and uh, be in these guys' corner. So, um, and again, if Bridgeport's five and zero, I'm sitting here, you know, banging the drum for these guys, and you're going to go, idiot. They're five and zero. What if? What the fuck are you complaining about? They're five and zero. Yeah, I know that. Then I sound like a moron. I may sound like a moron now, but they're one and four. So at this point, what harm is it putting one of those guys in to try to fucking spark the team at times? Jesus Christ. So I'm like I said, it's going to keep happening. I, I think they play again Thursday. I'm not sure, but, uh, you know, sorry. Hockey is still an emotional game, and shit can happen when you put in an emotional player. So I think those guys should get a shot. Now, oh, let's check how long have I been talking for now. All right, 28 minutes. Thank you for tuning in again. This is Trevor Gillies part two. Uh, again, thank you to everyone who has reached out with uh, comments and feedback on Trevor Gillies part one. I don't really need to go on too much about Trevor Gillies because you know the man, you know what he's done, you know how awesome he is. And um, I'm going to talk a little bit about my feelings about Trevor and that Islander team, the 2010-11 team. When we get to that point in the interview, I'm going to uh, go into it a little bit uh, about how I feel about uh, Trevor as a player and as a fighter and as a man and uh, talk about that team that he was on. So I'm not going to really go into it too much now. Uh, actually, I'm not going to go into it at all. So um, it, you'll hear it eventually. We'll get to that point in the interview and I'll discuss it and you'll understand why uh, Trevor and that team means so much to me and will always forever be a very important part of my life. So with that, uh, I'm going to stop talking here. Uh, I think this is the first time I've kept uh, an intro under 30 minutes. Holy shit. So look at me. I'm progressing. Uh, maybe next week I'll keep it under 25. But anyway, that's it for me. Enjoy Trevor Gillies part two. Have a great week, everybody. So we just talked about a uh, season where you ended up playing part of the season with Mark Podvin. And now the next season you end up with the Greensboro Generals. Uh, and you played with another uh, four NHL tough guy, played for a former NHL tough guy, and Jeff Brubaker. How did you end up in Greensboro? Uh, well, to be honest, um, <laughs> um, they were trying to lowball me to go back to um, Greensboro because I was on a two-way the year before, right? It's not exactly like I lit up the lamp with a bunch of points. So, um, you know, I had a girlfriend at the time there, and I think they thought that was going to make me stay. 
Um, and so that did not. And <laughs> I, de- <laughs> and I decided that, um, you know, I had some other opportunities, a few deals on the table from a few teams, but I talked to the different coaches um, and some of them were great. And I was close to them to going, pulling the trigger to go to those teams. But then I talked to brew and uh, Jeff Brubaker is the man. I'm still, I still talk to him to these day to this day. So I decided to go to uh, Greensboro generals, a very tough team. Uh, my buddy, one of my clients, uh, Chris Waltz, he owns Novu Day Spa. He was tough as nails. Yep. Uh, smaller size, tough guy in height, but just jacked and would fight anybody. We had Jason Robinson, Mike Perna, myself, uh, my boy Mike Scroy came, um, who's one of my all-time best friends. I'm actually uh, one of his best men here at the end of this month, so super excited about uh, about that wedding. It'll be a wild, fun one. Nice. Uh, Tony Curtali will be there, who's uh, – one of his mentors and a great guy I chat with him all the time. He's involved in a bunch of different business stuff, but uh, it'll be a bunch of great people there. And uh, it's in Orlando at the end of the month, but no, I love me some Jeff Brubaker had a lot of fun there. Um, you know, we obviously weren't the best team in the league, but here's a little quick story for you about brew. So we're getting pumped one night and our captain was this guy by the name of Sal Magnanero. Um, you know, decent enough guy, but not tough and didn't exactly see eye to eye with the, with big brew, but I love brew. I mean, the brew comes in, we're getting shellacked and I just had a wild fight. I can't remember who I fought. And, you know, we had some other guys that were pretty tough on his team. It was a, it was a pretty, pretty fun team to play on. And so brew comes in and he goes, he just like looks at everybody. And he, I tell him this story all the time. He, and he remembers it. It's classic. So he, he comes in the room and he goes, you know, his nickname for me is Hammer. He calls me the Hammer. So it's still to this day, yeah, still to this day, I'm called the Hammer. He's the only co- He's the only that's, that nickname didn't stick. But with him, that's what I was, the Hammer. And so he goes, you know, I play the fucking Hammer every night. And the boys don't say anything. It's like looking around. Like, what the fuck? He goes, I play the hell out of the Hammer every night because he gives me a bucket of blood every night. And I, <laughs> and then he just walks the fuck out. And so I'm thinking, oh, hell yeah. So I got my hand in like a big uh, ice bucket, you know, like we're getting pumped. I'm like, well, fuck it. Just keep doing what I'm doing. But no, I love the brew, man. He was great. He, um, brew like brought in like this guy that was super tough kickboxer. I'm trying to think of his damn name. He's well known. He used to break femurs and shit. No shit. Yeah, yeah did bare knuckle stuff. Oh, man. I can't remember right now, but just an absolute legend. He brought in this guy to work with us. And, um, no, I love playing for brew, man. He was great. Great guy. Um, I believe it's called players, players group or players health group, player capital group. They buy up businesses and, and, uh, find buyers for businesses and sell businesses. And there's a bunch of guys involved, a bunch of names you would know if you ever look up the site, but Brew's doing great, and he's one of my all-time faves. I absolutely love playing for him. The guy's a warrior, and just a great, great guy. There was one fight uh, from this season that I saw, and I actually remember speaking to this guy years and years ago. Uh, he played some time in Hartford for the Rangers organization, but if I remember correctly uh, from the video, you had absolute war with David Oliver, who was with Charlotte that year. Do you remember that fight? 
I do actually. Um, I had a great season fight wise there. I had 303 penalty minutes and a bunch of fights. That was actually one of my fights where, um, against David Oliver, I never met him. Um, and I didn't stay around as long as a lot of guys, but he was a guy that like, I was never, I wasn't surprised, but man, honestly, I think he got the edge on me in that tilt. Um, I was like, damn, that's a tough motherfucker. But, um, yeah, I mean, I remember him. I think he was on Charlotte. This is way back in the day. I mean, geez, that's like 2001, 2000, you know, around that era. But, um, no, tough dude. Um, I remember him catching me with, like, one really good one. But, um, yeah, I, I didn't win that fight. Um, you know, like I said, you can't win them all. But, you know, I was willing to take on all comers. And, no, David Oliver was a super tough dude. Uh, he, I don't know if you're aware, but he's another tough guy from Prince Edward Island. Yeah, they don't make him fucking soft there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> and we'll get into my boy Gallant. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're, they're, I think they're still old school there in PEI. Like, you know, if there's a problem, there's no gangs and guys and guns. I mean, they go out like the old days, like men. And, That's... and two guys square off and you drop the guy great, go back in and have a beer. Um, you know, I kind of, that's the real old school. Everyone I met from. Maritimes provinces are, are just tough cats. They're just good, good teammates that like to swing back a few cocktails with the boys. So, um, yeah, um, that's pretty much that. Yeah. And two other guys I want to ask you about. I didn't see these fights, but um, one guy I love watching him play. Uh, I appreciate uh, his style of play, especially for his size. And another guy is a guy who made the rounds in the minors, sort of a minor league legend. Uh, first guy's Tyler Willis. He was with Peoria. And the second guy is Kenny Tasker with Augusta. Do you have any recollection of those scraps? Yeah, I remember both. Um, Ty Will- Tyler Willis is an absolute warrior. It, he's so undersized um, for that, for who he fought. I mean, he'd fight all comers. Uh, he had, could actually play. What people don't realize is like weird skating stride, but I could get it done. I, he was actually a teammate of mine the next year here in Augusta, mm-hmm. and he was a fan favorite. We had a really tough team in here, Augusta. I'm sure you're going to get to that in a minute, so I won't, I won't start naming the names and name dropping. Yep. It's nasty like to call me out on name dropping, but I mean, that just goes <laughs> to show I still have some brain cells left if I can name off names from 25 years ago. The memory's but, great uh, so far, man. so yeah no willie's a tough cat um you know always been hanging to fights and you know he's a smart little dude and um like just absolutely loved him as a teammate and um you know got nothing but respect for him the guy's got major stones bro and um can tasker another tough cat um i remember seeing his vehicle when we came to augusta because he played in augusta the year before i did and he had like this wild, I drive it, you know, we'll get into my car, but I drive like an old classic car, like a muscle car. Yeah. I still yeah. have it. It's all done now. It wasn't when I played for the Islanders, but um, he had this, like, it was almost, it was like, almost like a, it was jacked up. It had huge tires. I don't know what exactly it was, but it was like, almost like an SUV, like jacked up, like almost like a monster truck. <laughs> and I remember thinking, who the fuck is driving that? That's got to be one cool cat. But I never met Ken Tasker, but, um, you know, I always – I did well against him. I think I fought him once or twice. He's not, like, the biggest guy, but I got mad respect for him because, I mean, you know, he has one of the most all-time legendary scraps against a guy that uh, 
know, I still keep in touch with um, Trevor Sen. Yep. Um, never fought center, but my brother, you know, my brother played against him in the U, old U-Haul back in the day when he was in Elmira. as a rookie lighting it up. And um, center's a good guy, um, really tall. And that fight they had was absolutely legendary. Like, oh, no doubt. It's toe-to-toe. Like, everyone knows that fight. So, no, um, you know, honor to have those guys on my fight card, you know. Um, all of them, like every single opponent. Um, but yeah, tough kid, toe to toe, you know, and, um, played a pretty long time as well. Now I'm going to really test your, your memory here. Okay. Uh huh. This season you scored your first professional goal. I don't know any details about it. Do you remember your first professional goal? Yeah, man. It wasn't like I toe dragged a guy and went top tees. <laughs> hey, they all count, right? Uh, it was on the road um, against the Trenton Titans. Um, you know, puck came up the wall. I'm a lefty man. You know, walk and talk, we call it. Like, couple steps, pull it to the middle, let off a fucking snapper. Traffic in front. It, it definitely was nothing special. But, yeah, that was my first pro goal. So, Trenton uh, Titans in Trenton. I wish and, uh, I, I, I think I had, like, I think I had, like, six assists or something. One goal, six assists that year, and 303 pims for a good old brew. And, uh, and, and, the, and that, what an awesome barn, the old Coliseum there in Greensboro. I, 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 got, I got a couple, got a friend uh, still in town that I talked to. He's a great guy, Ted Long. He used to be like the head bartender with all, you know, flipping all the bottles and shit. He could put on a, him and his buddies could put on a wild show with like fire. And, oh, nice. And we had some really, it was, the, the night like there was pretty fun. And, um, you know, I live with my boy, Jason Robinson. We were roomies, so we had a lot of fun together. And I'm still good friends, very good friends with Chris Waltz. And, um, you know, Mike Scroy is one of my brothers. I mean, uh, life, he will be lifelong friends. I'm, I'm excited to stand up for him here at the end of the month. That's awesome. No, Waltz and I speak on social media sometimes. He's an unreal guy. Yeah, unreal he's really guy. cool. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's super intelligent, a great business mind. Um, he's still with his wife from that he was with back then, Jenna. She's beautiful, and they have two great, beautiful kids. One, they're, his son is literally, we're probably going to be watching him someday. In the NFL. Like he, he's playing way underage. He's undersized, but he's going to grow, and he just, like, lights the lamp. I think he's got, like, 40-something goals right now, and, like, you know, in, like, no games. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, he's, his son's name's Cruz. Okay. And his daughter is an absolute specimen as well um, with gymnastics, so. Great family. I've, I've known them so long. I mean, we were kids and, and, you know, to be able to serve them in their, their very successful business and, um, and still talk to Chris all the time is, is a true blessing. You know, one of the great things of the game is the relationships you make, right? Yep. So, um, you know, he's, he's great dude. And, and, you know, I remember he used to have the leather straps before pretty much anyone did. And he would fight fucking everyone. Like, I love that guy. And then he hurt his shoulder. And then he hurt his shoulder. But um, and then that's when we brought in Scroy. But uh, yeah, Waltzy's one of my all-time faves. Now, the, at the end of the season in um, Greensboro, you ended up playing in the playoffs for Worcester. How did that come about? Well, you know, like back in those days, right? Like I wasn't a signed guy, so mm-hmm. you know, you might get other calls from other teams like looking for some toughness for a weekend and stuff like that. But like, you know, and I'm not saying Brew did this at all because Brew obviously let me go and gave me an opportunity. So like forever grateful. And, you know, he worked with me on stuff and Brew is amazing. But, 
you know, I know many other times in my career where, you know, you might get a call and they're like, well, we don't have any guys, you know, we don't have any guys, excuse me. I got a hiccup. Um, we don't have any guys. And so, you know, it's just not the right time. But, um, you know, I was, I went out to Worcester and I was kind of like the black ace there. And, um, I'm trying to think of how, um, his sister's a legend. Granado. Granado oh, was the head coach. Tony. Yeah. I think Larry Plo. Not Larry. Plo. It might've been, he was with them for a bit. Yeah, you'd have to look. Yeah, well, we had just we had some good coaches. Anyway, that's not part of the story. But I uh, went up and you know was just practicing with the boys, and I was like black, supposed to be like they were looking at me for you know possibly like come to camp and, and get a try and get a try, you know maybe a deal the next year. So I'm just an extra body, right? And I was doing well, and I was just just working out like a lunatic after because man, I'm excited. I'm still going up to play, right? Like my boy, we're done in Greensboro. We didn't make playoffs. So, um, I'm on the bike one day and I'm just crushing cause you know, I don't believe in the bike for hockey by any means. I mean, um, because it shortens your hip flexor, it's terrible for your stride. I learned that later on in my career from, you know, Frank Burgraff. Um, I won't, I won't hop on a bike now unless I'm going for fun, like in the woods or something like someone wants to go on a charity ride or something, but I just will not use that piece of equipment. Um, you know, we're such a quad dominant game like posterior chain, like it's just, you need to be doing things to lengthen your stride and keep your hip, hips open and that does not do that. So anyway, that's not part of the story, but I'm on the bike and all of a sudden Granado comes in and says, Hey, what are you doing? And I said, I'm riding the bike. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I'm riding the fucking bike. Like I do every day after we bag skate and do three on three or whatever we do at the practice, all the guys that aren't in. Um, and he goes, well, kid, he goes, you got to get off the bike. And I like kind of looked at him like, what? And I'm thinking like, what the fuck is he talking about? Like, I'm lost. Like, you know, the punches. <laughs> so I just looked at him and, I, and then he goes, you're in tonight, kid. And I was like fucking fired up. I bet. And so, you know, obviously, you know, then you go get a nice meal and shut it down and uh, have your nice pregame nap, get up, get ready to go to war. So, you know, I was super young, but it was a cool experience. We had a lot of really good, good old guys. That's when I first met Roly, Roly the goalie. Dwayne Rollison was our goalie. He's a stud. Yep. So, um, you know, there's a lot of guys on that team. Friedman. I mean, there's just so many guys. But um, so I play, and you know, I well, I'm playing wing. So like, you know, I'm not playing a ton, but when I get out there, I'm just like buzzing on the forecheck and banging bodies, what I call it. You know, trying to take heads to the village, and um which is, which is one of my lines. Um, Say it again. Say the line again. Heads to the fucking village, Joe. <laughs> so, you know, I was running around and uh, one of their guys didn't really appreciate it. I think he's a pro coach. Keith uh, Cambridge. Yeah. Right now in the American league, I knew you were going to ask me about him. So, yep. So big Keith comes over. Same thing. He has no clue who the fuck I am. I know who he is. I studied the scout pack while I'm sitting there riding the bike every fucking day. I'm, just in case I get an opportunity to hopefully get a game, right? This yeah. is, I went from the East Coast League to the American Hockey League playoff. And, um, you know, I, I, get, I get the nod. So, like, I, I did my homework. I knew how he was. He's longer than me. He throws big rights and, you know, kind of you know, uses his reach and just really throws the two, right? He throws the right hand. He doesn't throw lefts. Right. So, uh, 
it happened kind of by the bench, I believe. And um, I ended up doing very well, like very well. Um, he didn't, same thing, probably didn't know I was a lefty. And so that fight did uh, went well. And, and uh, I can't remember if we won or lost the game or not. But then the next night he wanted to go again. So I had, which is unheard of nowadays to have two fights in two playoff games. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had two fights in my first two playoff games and then played the rest of the series. And um, unfortunately, we lost. Can't it was I believe it was overtime um, against Providence. We lost. We went a couple. If it, if it wasn't for Roley, we wouldn't have even been. He's a stud. So, um, yeah, that was my first, you know, kind of like, hey, you know, maybe uh, if I if I train a little harder, I might get an opportunity here soon. Well, training a little harder is not something that uh, you ever have to worry about. Like I said, we'll talk about your reg- your uh, regimen later. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's you're, – you're just 100% all the time. So uh, it was bound to happen. But your uh, East Coast Hockey League tour continues the following season. Uh, how'd you end up in Augusta? <laughs> the same thing, right? Like, I never – you know, I don't know. I don't think Brew went back the next year. You'd have to look at the lineup, but I'm pretty sure they brought in a new coach. And I love me some Jeff Brubaker. I mean, Big Brew is my guy. So they brought in a new guy and the same deal, right? So like there, I think I was making like 650 or something like that a week. When you only had one goal and six assists in the East Coast League at the time with a salary cap, you got to fit in all the pieces of the puzzle with a certain amount of money, you know, and then your AHL guys that are on NHL two, uh, NHL two ways, they might be making big, like big money for that league. They might be making 50, 60, whatever it is, but then they're down in the East coast league and they only count to the cap for 500. So you got to kind of, you got to ice the team that's competitive. So what they try to do is they try, you know, they try to nickel and dime you down. So I wasn't a fan of the, I didn't know the new coach. I played for brew. Mm-hmm. And the way I look at it, if I never got up for, I had a certain goal in mind that maybe it was foolish, but I think it turned out great because the way I look at it, I was only there to try to get to the next level. So if I didn't get to that next level on that team, I had no problem with moving around. I like a new city. Um, you know, I didn't have a serious you know, I had girls, but like I had a girlfriend there too, but you know, I wasn't in love. So I decided that when I, when you're getting recruited, you know, one of the things I was always told is go where you're wanted, go where you're truly wanted, where you're loved. So my defense partner from junior, who I told you was a stud earlier in the first episode, Jim Baxter, he's from Brantford, Ontario, where Wayne Gretzky's from. And also a guy by the name of Jim Burton. A lot of people won't know who he is. But Jim is like a minor, was the minor league Bobby Orr in the IHL, and the IHL was good, not the second IHL. Like when they all the studs from the NHL would come down and make all the big money. Like they were making way more than the AHL. I just you called the, the real IHL. Yeah, so I'm trying to break it down for people who don't know. But I know Understood. you. So, um, so Jim, Jim is from Bradford, and Jim grew up playing with Wayne Gretzky. And I'm from Cambridge, which is only about 20, 25 minutes away from Bradford. And, um, you know, he was recruiting me and my defense partner. We played together. And Jimmy, Jimmy Baxter is from Brantford, and so is Jim. And so, hell yeah, I wanted to go play with my defense partner, who I absolutely love playing with um, in, in Augusta. So 
we come to Augusta and there's a hell of a team. We have our team on paper. If you look at that team, we so underachieved. Like we had Wes Swenson, who's my buddy, still lives here. John Whitwell, who I hung out with like two nights ago in the Super Bowl. He's a big investment guy here in town. Leakin Anderson, young guy. Um, he was in the All-Star game myself. We had David Wilkie, who played 300-plus NHL games, first rounder of the Canadians. Um, I could keep going. Martin LaPointe. Wait, can I, mean, I interrupt you for a second? Leakin yeah. Anderson is from Thailand? Yes. I've. This is the first I'm ever seeing a hockey player from Thailand. Yeah, he actually still does hockey stuff. He has hockey schools, and he's real big into, like, crypto-type currency. He, he Holy shit. I never saw that before. I, I'm just looking yeah, at he had good talent. Now. He had good talent. He had yeah. good offensive skill. But anyways, we had a hell of a team. Like, we had Tyler Willis on the team, Lance Galbraith. These guys are nails that could play. Um, my boy, who kind of gave me a tour of the city when I first got here, who I love. I knew you were going to bring him up, but I'll bring him up. It's, I call him the white Indian, Jesse Rosanza. Mm-hmm. He's tough as fuck. The guy used to play with broken fingers. So I like, I learned a lot from him, right? Like playing hurt. Like he'd have his fingers taped before a fight, rip the tape off and fucking give her for the boys. I mean, he's tough as nails. And he, he was like loved here because he played here before me and he's just tough as nails and he's a legend. So, you know, I hung out with, I call him Jazard, the white Indian. And so he lives in Sask. I think he's a fireman and um, like my brother and tell the guys that, finish the game you know you're part of being used to being part of a team and uh it's just a great career you know especially if you're unselfish and, and willing to you know put your life on the line to save other people so um long story short Jazard kind of was like a celebrity here and uh jesse and uh we we had this place back in the day called uh loose change uh, not loose change um coconuts and coconuts is a bar in the surrey center it's not here anymore and just a bunch of bars. And so we used to, he introduced me to Charlie. Charlie was the owner. He unfortunately is not with us anymore. So anyone in Augusta who listens to this, um, will know Charlie. He's a legend. And, um, you know, I would, me and Jesse would be the last two people in the bar with all his staff when they'd be counting all the cash and we'd be smoking cigars with Charlie and drinking Jägermeister. Um, but we were just really hooked up here. There was a different place every night sold out crowd my mother-in-law um my mother-in-law sue ran the team she did corporate sales like the office she did corporate sales and marketing and brought in all the you know you know the at different companies on the dasher boards or or on the jumbotron for advertising bringing that corporate money that lets a minor league team survive and um so we're getting bag skated my buddy wes swinson who i mentioned who lives here still um, he's behind me and I'm like young. Right. So like, you know, I'm trying to go all out and everything I do. And, you know, one of the things you learn is don't embarrass any of the boys, you know, um, you know, he might've had a tough night the night before and I'm like flying around doing this bag thing and he's bag skating. He's behind me saying, Hey Gil, slow down, man. Like just stay, st- everyone stay together. So you kind of like, these are just different things you learn. Right. And, um, I said, yeah, 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 no problem, Swinner, no problem, bro. He's an older guy on the team. And I'm like, shit, I think I'm like 21. And uh, we get to the around the corner when we're done, and then we're stopping, and then we got to go again, you know, when we get to the front of the line. And um, I go, who the hell is that, Swinner? And he goes, oh, that's Miss Sue, Gills. And uh, I said, no, not not Miss Sue, bro. I said, who? I go, who's the other one? He goes, you got no chance, Gilly. He's, he's 
He's like, she doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't like hockey and she doesn't like hockey players. And, uh, and then, you know, three and a half weeks later, I started dating my wife and, uh, we've been together. So, um, but no, man, love Augusta, um, had an amazing coach. Unfortunately he passed, uh, at 55 of a heart attack. Oh, wow. His son, um, his one son works for my buddy, uh, Ray with rec tech grills here locally. That's a, a great grill company. If you don't have a pellet grill, you need to get one. They're they're phenomenal. It'll change your life. And then his other son is a pro golfer that is uh, working his way up, hopefully to the PGA tour and, and wife Sandra, just a great family. He was a phenomenal coach, but well, I mean, we had guys like Gila Rose on the team that played mm-hmm. NHL games. I mean, we Wes Mason was a good player and Patrick Yetman. I mean, we just had a great team, but we kind of underachieved a little bit, but, um, Great city, good place to live, great golf, great people, great fans. And, um, you know, it's not too expensive, beautiful weather. And, um, you know, it's, it's awesome down here. So you, uh, we talked about Tyler Willis and you brought up Jesse. The other guy I wanted to ask you about who you mentioned him, uh, but you didn't go into any detail, and that's Lance Galbraith. And Lance played a few games for Bridgeport also. And uh, I want to ask you, because you did play with him in Augusta, and then I think you guys played against each other later in the year when you were, ended up in Providence, and he was with Springfield, correct? Yeah. And there may have been an incident, I don't know? Yeah, we fought. Okay. So how was he as a teammate? And He's a great teammate. Yeah. Uh, me, me and I call him the laser. And uh, hopefully he listens because he's a beauty. He's good friends with one of my one of my really good buddies. I know you're going to get into later in my career was Zenon Kanopka. Oh, they played yeah. together with the Ottawa 67s. You know, they're real good friends with Kornacki and a couple guys. And uh, you know, Laser was awesome. Um, he was my roommate here. We had these beautiful our our own our old owner was the Gillespie family, and um, they're in, I believe they're involved with like trash and recycling business. And we had these like badass condos and they're like four bedroom condos with two common areas, a beautiful kitchen. And, you know, you kind of had your own bathroom and big, you know, master kind of suite. It was pretty sweet. So I used to have all the after kind of like some of the after parties uh, up in my room. But Laser was my roommate, you know, just a blood and guts kind of guy that could play and, you know, undersized again with small hands and he'd fight anybody, man. He's, he's, he's absolutely fearless. So, you know, obviously getting called up, he's not stupid. Um, you know, he, he asked me to go. So, so we went and, um, you know, no ill will. It's just, you know, two guys that, that understand their job and, and, um, you know, trying to, trying to show that there's no friends on the ice. And, um, you know, Lance's Lance is very well respected here and, uh, he was a fan favorite as well. So I love playing with Lance. The laser. Yeah, he definitely has a fan in me, that's for sure. I, I like him, so uh, yeah, I have to ask. I'm a, big, I'm a big fan myself. That's yeah. um, a good dude. Now, you had a, as usual, you had a ton of fights that year, and I was going over your fight card. I, we, I got traded at the deadline. I know you're going to bring that up. It broke my heart because I was so damn in love. You're jumping uh, ahead, though. Yeah, I ended up having uh, 303 pants. Uh, <laughs> Hundred some pims, and I had the most fight. I had the most pims and the most fights in the league when I got traded. So, but go ahead. Before you got traded, there were a couple of guys on your card. You fought. I I always uh, I'm always interested to find out when guys fight guys multiple times. Now, one guy you fought is an East Coast League legend, Jerome Boom Boom Bouchard with Columbus. Uh, you fought him twice. You fought Dave Kazalka twice. 
you fought like Mike Lee twice. So I always wonder if there's anything personal. Because obviously, if the, you fight as much as you do, and anyone that knows the guys who do the job, most of the time it's just business. It's nothing personal. Every now and then something personal creeps in. And I always find it happens when guys end up fighting other guys multiple times. And it may not be in this case, in any of these cases. But when I see a name appear multiple times in a season, it always makes me wonder. And those guys appear twice on your card this season. So I was just wondering if there was any good backstories to any of those fights. I mean, I hate to let you down, but really not. Um, the one guy I, I definitely remember um, is David Kazoka. Mm-hmm. So I've been dating my girl pretty serious, hot and heavy. And um, me and him square off and he like switches and catches me with an absolute bomb. And this fight I mean, this punch should have probably knocked me out. Um, But I stayed on my feet, didn't lose legs um, from underneath me. And he broke my nose, like, big time. And anyone who's been had a broken nose, it's not fun. Um, And I just am pissed. And so we both come in with big bombs, and he lands the first one. And then we just keep going like nothing happens. And so I have a picture of it, actually. Um, I don't have it up, but I have a picture of, we were wearing American jerseys that night. Okay. Like they got like, it's like, they're not Lynx jerseys. They're like, they're Lynx jerseys, but they're not our regular ones. They're like red, white, and blue with stars on the shoulders and shit. And so I had like that wild hair. I told you, like, it's almost like surfer style with like the blonde, yeah. the blonde yeah. fucking highlights. And that was cool back then. Now you look like a moron with it. But um, <laughs> Hey, you got Mrs. Gills with that hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, so what happens is my nose ends up on the side of my face. Um, you know, great fight, go to the box. Um, he was a, I believe he was a rookie that year with Greenville. Mm-hmm. You'd have to quote me on it, but I think he was with Greenville. It was the growl back then. And then it went to the road warriors. And now we know it's the swamp. Province, which is very interesting. But um, he played with a growl. And I remember him in warm up, just like eyeballing the fuck out of me. And, um, you know, like he definitely knew he was their guy. Yeah, you know, sure enough, we go and hell of a fight. It was probably my best one of the year, and um, but my nose was fucked. So, uh, long story short, after after the penalty, the war, um, you know, then it ends up being like an intermission. I go in, I get the old tampons up the up the nose. Yeah. Um, before we do the tampons, I'm like looking at it, and I'm like, holy. Fuck. Like it's, it's like so crooked. I look like a potato, like a Mr. Potato head doll. When someone puts the nose on crooked, like a kid, <laughs> it's off to the side. And I'm like, this is fuck. I, I, we had a female trainer and I said to her, or I said to her, um, like she was helping out. Brian Bataffi was our trainer. I said, is this how my nose is going to heal? He said, yeah, until, uh, you have to, you have to get surgery someday. And I said, fuck that. I'm like, it's off right now. It's out of place. He goes, and Taff is old school. He used to be the trainer with like Sandy McCarthy and those guys and like okay. Theo Fleury and shit. Like he was an NHL trainer with the, with the Calgary flames. Yeah. And he said, Gills, I don't advise this. He's like, I'm not going to do it to you because I'm afraid you'll punch me. <laughs> I remember it vividly. He goes, but if you have enough pain tolerance, you can smash it back into place. And he goes, that will save you a lot of heartache. And uh, also you'll look much better. <laughs> so I said, 
you know, fuck your whole face is numb when you break your nose. Like I got, I got hit with a bomb. Like it was a good punch, like a really good punch. And so I said, well, fuck it. I got to do this. And so I like get my, <laughs> I like get my hands on my, on my nose and I snap that Joker back into place. It did not feel nice. Joe, I can tell you, it did not feel nice, but I snapped it back into place. And then they throw the tampons in there and cut them so they're level so you don't look like a moron with them hanging out. Right. I go out and I finish the game. So after the game, you know, I'm still in my half gear, you know, when you take your shoulder pads mm-hmm. and your shit off. I go in my half gear and, and you know, my girl's out, my, now my wife, my girlfriend's waiting outside. She's 20 years old. I'm 22. And uh, Danielle comes up to me. And I'll, I'll never forget this. And uh, I said, I said, what'd you think of that one, babe? <laughs> and she goes, she goes, well, that was, a, that was, that was a wild. That was a little scary. She goes, that was a good fight. And I said, I said, oh, yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> and I said, well, how do I look? And she goes, you'll always be pretty to me, baby. Oh, and this is early that. in our relationship. I don't want to get sappy here for the oh, fight. Man. This is early in our relationship. So I thought, oh, fuck. She's, <laughs> she's, this is the one. Like, my face was fucked. Like, I mean, I didn't have black eyes because he broke it that clean. He hit straight nose. Yeah. You know, usually when you get hit, like, on the orbital bone and it clips nose, and you might break your nose, but you also have a black eye. Like, I didn't have black eyes. But it broke so badly off my face, Joe, that I had, like, you know the white part of your eye? Yes. You know, by your tear duct? Mm -hmm. That was fully red, like fire volcano red. Wow. It stayed like that on both sides of the one eye. Like, it was pretty – I looked like a whack job. It stayed like that for probably about two months. Wow. The nose healed fine. I still can't breathe great. I never got it fixed. Everyone's like, if you get it fixed, you'll sleep better. But I ain't paying for it. And I never, I never ever took a claim with the union. Like, you know, it is what it is. Like, I knew what I was signing up for. You know, you can't, you can't expect to fight killers and and come out unscathed. But um, no, he was one I was impressed with. Um, cause okay, he was young, you know, I had a little bit of a name, he was making a name, but man, we had a fucking unreal fight. And then, um, that Lee kid was pretty tough too. He's a little smaller and in, in height, but he was super strong, had a couple good ones with him. And then who was the last name you mentioned? Oh, boom, boom. Yep. Uh, boom, boom. He's a legend. I think he still coaches in the Southern professional league. So obviously, you know, you know, when you get the stat pack, most guys got a few lines, like a couple of years, or you know, if they're a rookie, they got their junior totals and maybe one year pro or whatever, or what they've done up to that point, their rookie year. Well, he had a fucking long ass rap sheet, and then I see all the pims, and he put up some good points too. And I'm like, fuck, I'm gonna try to get this guy to go. He's 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 got a, like a sick rap sheet. It'd be good for the fight car. But I did very well in that one. But no, he was um he was a good dude too. Um, you know, totally cool. And just just three guys is. We go to war for the boys, you know, no, no ill will in any of them, like no great stories, unfortunately, but the great story of it all is the one I told you about Mrs. Bill's telling me I'll always be pretty and, and that dude hit me with a fucking bomb. <laughs> well, uh, first of all, you ended up getting the girl, which is the most important thing. Second of all, that story is a great story, but tell me something because I have been fortunate enough to never have broken my nose when you adjust your own nose i guess you're essentially breaking it again to snap it into place well, not really it's it kind of gets out of joint right at the top like okay. so 
if I um if I push on my nose in any way, yeah. I can make it go totally flat in any way. Like I my cartilage, I've been hit so many times in the face yeah. that like it's pretty much gone. So, you know, people laugh like I mean, I love when they go for my nose because I know there's nothing really there. Unless they hit high up. Yeah. Like later in my career, if they hit high up by where your eyebrows are, mm-hmm. that's where they could hurt it because there's still bone there, obviously. That's where the joint is. Right. But the bottom right. part, I mean, because guys that go for the nose are confused. That's not how you hurt people. I mean, you, you might break your nose. You might get some watery eyes. Your nose will heal, right? I mean, we didn't yeah. even put visors on back in those days when you broke your nose you just kept going you put the tampons in it is what it is um you know and I, this is the first time i ever talked about it but i bro- i think i broke my nose like at least five times um badly i mean there's other times too probably more than that but five badly that i remember um but that one was that one was a good one um it took a while to heal it but it didn't stop me from fighting you know i had a goal in mind i wanted to lead the league in fights and lead the league in penalty minutes. I didn't end up doing that when I got traded. I think I finished maybe fifth that year in penalty minutes and I was up there in fights. Um, you know, I didn't get called up for the amount of games that I was in my mind. I, I always knew that the goal talking to my agent, who was Peter Cooney, um, who I ended up getting Peter Cooney when I went to Richmond, which we'll get into. I yeah. love that dude. I was with him 17 years. You know Peter well. He loves, he's a fan of the fighters. He had Mitch Fritz, uh, you know, Joel Recklish, Mike Haley, me. I mean, that's just on one fucking team. You know, like, Fritz played the year before me in Bridgeport. Um, you know, he just loves tough guys. He had Steve McIntyre. There's tons of them. Right, he and, used uh, to own Springfield, right? He used to be the uh, Springfield Indians owner. Yeah, at one time, uh, one time, uh, you know, Big Pete owned uh, the Springfield Indians. And Bob, he was the radio guy at one time. People don't know. But uh, he was the radio guy at one time because he just loved hockey and he's a great communicator. And um, he went from, you know, pretty much low man on the totem pole to, you know, buying the team and built it up and won two uh, Calder Cups. Well, I was there for the first one. And then sold it and then sold the team. So, uh, but yeah, um, you know, I knew right away that that she was the one, but he did catch me with a good one. And luckily I, I hung in there and made it a hell of a fight, but. That was probably my best fight of the year. Um, you know, actual, like, legit killer he was in a war, just an absolute war. Like, we just, it was a great fight. Well, uh, first of all, I definitely want to say that I would love for you to hook Peter and I up because not to have him on the show, but I would just love to talk to him because of all the stuff he's been through in the game. I'd love to talk his ear off. Or actually, he's an, absolute, he's an absolute encyclopedia, man. He loves old, I mean, he's new school now because you have to be, you have to adapt. Yeah. Well, I don't want to talk his ear off. I want him to talk my ear off. No, but he's phenomenal, man. Yeah. Like he's, he's, I give him, him and Tom Rowe. I mean, I've had a lot of great people, mm-hmm. but him and Tom Rowe really are the, the reasons why I got to continue to play. And I'm sure we'll get into that soon. Um, Cause I was becoming an, a vet, a veteran soon. Yeah. You know, shortly after this. And if I was, those jobs go to the top goalies and um, the star players, they don't go to tough guys. And I would have been out of the game at a young age, but, Luckily, when you get to the American League, um, after being in the coast for so long, all those games in the coast don't count. You kind of restart and, uh, to become a veteran status. So I'm sure we'll get into that soon. 
Now you had alluded to it, uh, the trade to Richmond, you said it broke your heart, but, uh, that is your next stop on the tour here. So what was the story behind the trade? And, um, I'm assuming it broke your heart, not because of Richmond, because you just loved, uh, Augusta. Oh yeah. I just love Augusta and, um, you know, love the fans here and, you know, the barn is small and it's just fans are right on top. Yeah. I mean, we used to sell every fucking night and, um, you know, just like was in love, um, plain and simple. Yeah. You know, really in love. And I had a stepson, um, fell in love with him. You know, I didn't get to meet him for months and months, but when we finally met, like I, my wife used to have a job, like a good job. Uh, she was an optician making a lot more money and I was making it in East Coast League. And, you know, uh, I used to watch him and I fell in love with him almost as much as I fell in love with his mom. And, you know, blessed to have a great relationship with his dad we play golf and fish once in a while have some beers once in a while they just were you know young high school sweethearts that got pregnant in college and and had a great kid and he's doing phenomenal at georgia southern and keeping the hope scholarship he's in his third year he's going to be a get a physical therapy degree where he could be like a trainer you know say the islanders or or a hockey trainer, medical guy, or in college football. He loved football and baseball, so they couldn't be more proud of him. But he changed my life because I was wild as shit. And, um, you know, once I had a, you know, pretty much a family after that, um, we'd, I'd stay here every summer, and, and then I'd go home and train for a good period of time and skate with guys. And But, you know, always coming back, this has always been home base since pretty much then um, in the off season. Uh, had to realize like, Hey, I better, I better get to the next level if we want to have a life. Um, so, you know, truly I tell him now he's 20, he'll be 21 in August. Like he truly changed my life, him and his mom. I haven't seen him in 10 years. When I, last time I he's, saw him, I guess he was 11. Yeah, he's a good looking cat. Yeah. He's a lot smarter than me and his mother. And, uh, <laughs> um, you know, just a, just a phenomenal, phenomenal young man. And, um, and, He's he's had an unbelievable life. Like after every win in the island, he would be in the room. Like every team I ever played on, it was like family atmosphere. Like after wins, the kids are in the room. So yeah. you know, he knew he couldn't come in after a loss, so he didn't come in a ton in in uh, Springfield. But Marty was pretty cool. He'd be like, "Ah, go in anyways." You know? mm. And I'm sure we'll get into that here shortly. But um, definitely, you know, he just had a great life. I mean, like so many guys that he was around. Like you mean. Penner and Perry and Getzlaff. I mean, Penner, Perry, Getzlaff. I mean, that team in Portland, I'm sure we'll talk about. I mean, he was like our fucking mascot playing <laughs> hockey. Just, you know, just a phenomenal experience to share with him. And, and, you know, unfortunately, I was able to play long enough as the old gray mare where my daughter could enjoy some of the same things. Obviously, she couldn't come in the room. Anymore. Right. But to be able to watch both my kids remember me playing vividly is, uh, you know, something I'm very proud of. That's awesome. Um, so you did end up playing 18 games for Richmond. There was one guy I want to ask you about because you ended up fighting him twice that season, once in the Coast and once in the American League. Uh, went to a couple of camps here with the Islanders and was an absolute killer in Bridgeport with the uh, tag team with Eric Goddard, and that was Graham Bielek. Oh, uh, Graham. Big Graham. Graham's a tough motherfucker. Um, yeah, I fought Graham twice. Um I can't remember a whole lot about the AHL, the East Coast fight. I know it was close. Right. Um, in the AHL, I think he might have got a little bit of the better of me. Like, uh, if you looked at our faces, he's long, um, kind of like his brother. Yeah. Uh, I never fought his brother. Uh, may he rest in peace. I love him, though, as a player. 
where he's funny as hell with all the stuff. I, I, I was watching videos like when me and you got off for yeah. an hour. Um, just, just for fun. But, um, you know, Graham gave me a black eye in Bridgie. Um, I believe he was, he was in Bridgie on the bottom. And, um, no, tough cat. Um, you know, I, I don't know if he was as mean as he should have been. I hate to say that, but like certain guys, you know, like with how dangerous they are, if they just had a little more killer instinct in them, I'm just kind of like wonder like what they would have done. Yep. Because Graham was fucking huge. Like, but man, yeah, just another other another absolute warrior that, you know, I'm honored to have on my card, you know. I fought a lot of guys. Big, um, they all they all are stepping stones, right? You learn whether you win or lose, you, you always learn and you know, if you're smart enough to, to train, fight better, bigger, longer guys, you learn things from them all. Whether they're smaller guys like Tyler Willis, like an absolute nail gun. Um, or Tasker, or you're fighting fucking Graham Belak, or you know certain guys. You, you know they're all different. I mean, you know that's why styles make fights. It's like the UFC, right? Yeah. Now, yeah. when you were Providence, you only played five games. Uh, was that they signed you to PTO or something? And how'd you like playing for Bill Armstrong? No, it's the same deal. I got called up at the end of the year. Okay. So um, I called up. And played the five games. I love Bill Armstrong. He was fucking awesome. Um, he played very tough when he played. He was, oh, yeah. I believe he won in the four as well. Four four most of my life. Uh, switched to 51. Um, had a few other numbers. But, um, now, he was great. And our assistant coach was our friend Scott Gordon, who actually is yep. how I got my shot in the show. So, you know, that was cool. Um that's where I met Brant Myers um, in Providence the next year in training camp. So I finished the year with them and then I got invited to camp the next year. But unfortunately, um, well, it was fortunate because they had Brant Myers signed and he became a buddy and I still talk to him. I talked to him a little like a few days ago coming out of that badass book. I can't wait. So I think it's called painkiller. Yep. So and I'm going to be definitely buying it. Um, because I've heard a few little clips, and they're absolutely epic. It's actually him that's doing the narration. I heard that, yes. Yeah, he's a phenomenal fucking dude. And so in training camp, he was up, and then he get, he wouldn't, wasn't there from the start. But they had another guy by the name of um, Steve Parsons. Oh, big yeah. Tough, big, tough dude. Mm-hmm. Real thick, huge hands. Big, thicker than me well, at that time by far. And, um, you know, I knew what I was there for. Like, I got to make fucking team i don't have a one way so uh, i'm on a you know i'm on a trial with um you know pretty much i'm on a trial so i'm like running around like always and um trying to fight and uh he wouldn't fight me i'm sure he wanted to deep down but he had a one way you know he had a one way hl deal and that's just how it was he didn't give me a shot and it was his job and and you know, I'm not going to jump him. Right. So, you know, unfortunately, I had to go and still get more seasoning in the East Coast League. But like I told you, man, every every stop along the way was a blessing. And, and that's how you kind of earn your worth. And, um, you know, I had to go back down and, um, and wait. But it was my chance. And so, you know, Mizey played with uh, with Parse. They were the, the one-two guns. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't make the team. But, 
you know, um, Providence is a really cool town. Um, I lived in the Holiday Inn when I was called up and then in camp as well. And if you walk to Federal Hill, it's called, um, it's absolute heaven if you're a guy like me that likes to eat. <laughs> and I'm sorry if you can hear my daughter's band. Um, music. Not even it's, a little bit. She's uh, she's playing, which is really cool. So That's uh, very cool. So anyways, uh, I'd go, I'd walk over to Federal Hill every day for lunch and then dinner. And there was this place, I can't remember the name of it, but it was like, let's just say had a, a really hardcore Italian presence. Nice. It's the best and, kind. Uh, my kind of place. Yep. And uh, I'd go in there every fucking day. And so finally this old guy comes up to me and I'd always sit at the bar. I went by myself, you know what I mean? Like most of the guys that are there, they got, they live in homes, like, or, or they, they rent apartments or whatever. I was in the hotel. So, um, you know, you're getting per diem and you're waking whatever, you know, PTO prorated, whatever it is. And um, everyone. And so I walked in there and I'd always be fighting. I was fighting. So my hands, I got ice bags on my hands. I had a black guy, um, I think from Grenier, and uh, who threw like fucking bomb. And so um, this guy comes up to me. He was a restaurant. I can't remember the name, but I wish I could phenomenal like you know like that's my first introduction to um the badass hot bread with the fret the amazing butter and the, the oil with the fucking i used to put pepper flakes parmesan and you know all that kind of goodness in it um the vinegar balsamic vinegar um yeah. and the guy comes up to me and he says hey you know you come here every day he's like what's your name and i tell him my name and um he goes to me, and you always come in with, like, black eyes or marks on your face <laughs> or beat up hands. He's like, you know, what do you do? And I, <laughs> They're recruiting you. Yeah, yeah, I wish he did. <laughs> and so, uh, I'm just joking. Um, and so, you know, I tell him, you know, like, I got called up. Uh, I'm, I'm with the Providence Bruins, and, um, you know, my job is to stick up for the guys, and I'm trying to make my marks so on, like, trying to fight every game. And uh, me and this guy just, like, uh, formed a relationship. And uh, unfortunately, years, years later, years, years later, I went back to Federal Hill raving to all my teammates about this badass restaurant that was still there and the owner that I was buddies with. And if he would have been there, he would have remembered me for sure. I mean, um, but unfortunately, he passed. But we, I would always, every team, all the way up to the end when I'm in Bridgeport, if I we stayed, which we didn't stay there bar but um you know anytime i got a chance to stay there i'd go to that restaurant in his honor but he was phenomenal to me i would be sucking down like lemon cello or like after dinner like shots and like just mucking it up with him um chopping it up with him but man he was so cool to me and i would get like I, he'd give me like free chicken parm and like free meals all the time and shit just the fucking phenomenal um if anyone hasn't been to providence on federal hill it's where all the Italian restaurants are. You're missing out because it's like Little Italy. It's fucking phenomenal. Well, I will say, my people, uh, we do know how to cook. You we sure know how to cook and we know how to treat people. You sure do. I love me some Italians and I love me some Italian food. <laughs> that's awesome. I, I just love how you were being recruited, though. That's the best part of that story. Yeah, I think he looked at me like, this fucking kid, like, he's oh, young. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I have a black eye. My eyes like swollen shut when I fought Grenier, and my hands are just destroyed. But um, you know, it's all part of the journey, man. And uh, I wouldn't take back a minute of it. You know, it's my story. 
story, and it's cool to actually like get deep into it because I've never told none of this. Well, moving on to the next season, which I have, this is uh, I have a lot of questions about one of these teams because uh, this one team. Uh, I know the head coach, and uh, I know that he likes guys like you. Before we get to that team, you started the year in Richmond. So, um, I mean, if you people, I think everyone needs to go and take a look at your hockey DB or something because yeah. your, your journey is unbelievable. I mean, you, you're here for one season, half a season, this and that. I mean, I told so- you my I told you my mentality, Big Joe. I like if I didn't get to the A for a certain amount of games, I was moving. Like yeah. I was young. I wanted to like, I wanted to go to different, I wanted to get to the, I wanted to get to the spot, man. And the spots, the American league, then you're one call away. You know? Um, I was not confused and I was always in the South, which is not scouted as much. Right. In the coast it's better lifestyle, you know, um, for, for obvious reasons. Um, but you know, we'll get to that when I get to Peoria in a minute, like the North is, it's no secret to be geographically located. It's easier for a call up. It's less money for them. They don't pay an expensive flight. It's like gas. receipts. That's it. Um, and so, you know, I figured it out like, Hey, you know, if I'm putting up this many fights and this many pins and I'm not getting, I'm not getting the call. Well, maybe it's time for a new spot. And maybe there's a whole new group of people who are scouts that are going to be watching that area. So like, it was, you know, it's not like I, I didn't, it's one thing about me is like a lot of people, when they come to the coast, they get comfortable. Right. So they find a spot like say Charlotte or Augusta or Estero, Florida, the Everblades or, 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 um, you know, South Carolina stingrays or Orlando, whatever it is, they become a big deal in the city, which is great. Um, if that's your goal, but, you know, to, to, to have a nice life, meet a great girl and, and settle there. But that's pretty much where you're going to end. Um, my only goal was to get to the next level and, you know, and, and that's, this is how I did it. And, you know, so that's why I tell people like, don't be discouraged. Like, you know, you do it. Like you just have to be willing to embrace the suck as they say. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> live out of your car, live in a hotel. Like, I don't give a fuck. What happened in Richmond? You only uh, ended up, I don't know how many games you were there for, but you played six games. You had 20 PIMS, and another former Islander was the head coach, Gore Deneen. But you weren't there that long. Did something happen, or it was just time to move on? Uh, well, the same thing happens, like I told you, every fucking year. They think I make too much money for a tough guy in the East Coast League that doesn't provide a lot of offense. Right. So they try to screw you on, and I love I love Deneen. I love mm-hmm. I love playing for his brother Kevin later. I'm sure we'll get into that in a few yep. years here down the road. I liked Gord too, phenomenal guy. But Gord thought I made too much money, and so, and I was wanted. I wanted he was going to trade me. I said, well, could you trade me? You know, I I get it. Like you know, and so he was gonna he was gonna put me on the trade wire on a Friday, which is. As you know, in East Coast League and American League is weekend leagues. You might play a Wednesday game, but you're pretty much a Friday, Saturday, and then you're playing Sunday afternoon. Yep. It's the only way you get the fucking fans in the building. And I'm not telling anyone who knows hockey a secret, but that is true. So he put me, he instead of putting me on the trade block on a Friday, because there was teams in our division that wanted me badly, he put me on waivers on a Monday. <laughs> 
Or no, 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 sorry. Instead of putting me on on a Monday where people would see it at their desk after practice, he put me on on a Friday. That's, I got right. backwards. Mm-hmm. People are getting ready for fucking hockey games, going out right. to win. So what happened was, is I don't get picked up because of my salary, because I'm making too much money for a tough guy, and I don't have an agent. So what happens, that's when I get my boy, Peter Cooney. I love that motherfucker. So... <laughs> I get my boy Peter Cooney, and actually, Peter, I gotta, I gotta thank um, um, Gord Denis because he's the one who told me he's like Gills, you don't have an agent, and I said, no, nah, I've been doing it myself since Augusta when I stopped being with the Or Group, and so, and I wasn't a prospect, been on the coast for fucking three years, so it's not hard to figure out. Like <laughs> big agents, big agents have people who are making money. If you're not making yep. money, you're you're not a you're not an asset. You're a liability. And I love Bobby Orr. He's a phenomenal human. Like, phenomenal. He was so good to me. I had him for years. I love him. And I'd love to thank him for it. But, um, you know, so I get Peter. And Peter gets a ton of deals in, what was the name of that? Um, I don't think it was the U-Haul. It was another league. It wasn't the Coast. It was getting a ton of offers to go to it. I forget if it was the the Whipple or what. Um, well, it was one of those leagues, whatever. Right. And, um, and then I got a few East Coast deals. And I ended up taking, which, believe it or not, was a lot. It doesn't seem like much money, but, you know, taking 550 compared to 700 a week when you're in the East Coast League is a big difference because you're trying to <laughs> work your way up, not go down. I mean, right. now it seems like foolish. But, you know, at the time... 200 bucks is 200 fucking bucks. That's a big difference in the East Coast League in lifestyle. So I get recruited. My boy calls me, who I played, won a championship in Caledon. We talked about him earlier. Brandon Brooks, he's a stud. He's one of the best skaters I've ever seen skate. He's fast. He's he's like a beautiful skater. And he's a fucking stud. And so he calls me and he says, yay, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you taking this deal yet? And I said, well, I got a lot of options. I'm looking at them, you know, like I'm not sure what I want to do yet. And he says, are you, he goes, well, tell me about them. So he's my boy. I tell him about the deals and how much more money, like one of them's like 900 bucks, but like, I'm going to go to a league where I have no shot of getting out of like, that's, that's the, that's the whole decision to be made. And so I end up taking the lowest deal, which was to go there. And then that's when I meet Yabo, who becomes one of my best friends of all time. I play with Tyler Renette. He's on the team who I play with in junior. You know, we have Jason Lawmaster I played against in junior. I mean, we have Anthony Belza, Brad Voth. I mean, the fucking team is tough as nails. Trevor Baker. Yeah, Trevor Baker, Josh Kern. I mean, we got a ton of skill guys. Um, you know, Clarky, we have good goalies. Um, we had Chewy and Ned. I love that fucking guy. He was a high pick of Ottawa, um, Schwenard, I call him Chewy. And so I go there and make less money. But the reason why I went there was more because of what I heard about their coach, Jason Christie Smurf, who still coaches, I believe. Yeah. Um, he's a legend and he's just a great guy. And so we had a tough team and we were first place, but we got dismantled. Whenever you're on a first place hockey club in the East Coast League, back in those days before they carried all these bodies in the American League, where it's pretty much called out from the coast because they see keep so many extra bodies in house now because it's all about player development so which is fine that's what the leagues that's what the leagues are for 
but you know, we got dismantled. So I go up, Yablonsky goes up. We'll talk about that in a minute, I'm sure. And, um, you know, it is what it is. But so, but I went there, played D and played a lot. Christy knew how to use me. He was a physical guy. Like he played with a bunch of those guys and, um, it was a blast. Love Peoria. Um, we could eat at the casino. I mean, my buddy Brooks, he's like a little wheeler dealer. So we had like a free tanning deal. Like we could if we leave tickets and a tip. We could eat for free every game day or whenever we want at home <laughs> garden. Like it was, that's the kind of setups you get in the coast. And so just have a blast and training and meet Yabo, who's fucking my absolute brother. And, you know, that's when we, me and him just like run wild and, um, and then we have all-star break, get gooned up with the boys, like pretty bad, um, hitting the booze. And then all of a sudden, I mean, my phone's off or whatever. I don't even know if, I don't even know if we had phones. I probably had like a little shitty flip phone, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think we had phones, yeah, by then. And um, I guess my wife, who wasn't my wife at the time, but was trying to get a hold of me because Peter was ringing her ass up. And, um, telling me I was getting a call to Tom Rowe and Lowell. And so I was fucking so hung over. It was insane. I'm like, <laughs> like, this is the truth. No one knows it. So I'm like, and my, and my apartment door is locked. And I lived with this guy. He was awesome named Greg day. He's very skilled player. Good guy. And, um, it was me and Greg day and some other fucking nerd. Like we had a revolving door room of someone who didn't last, you know, so we had a million different other roommates, but it was a three bedroom. And uh, it was me and Greg Day, really, but there was a revolving door of other guys. And so, um, you know, that's how it is in those leagues. And so my wife said to Brooksy, because she knew him well, I mean, really well. He's one of my been best friends with him forever. And says, Brooksy, whatever you have to do, I don't care if you have to break down the door. Like, Trevor's been waiting, working his ass off for this. Like, get your ass in there and wake his fucking ass up. And so he got in there and woke me up. And I almost, I was only like about two hours from flight time when I was supposed to leave. So if you ask Smurf, he'll tell you this. Trevor Gillies is the only player I ever had that got a self, him and his agent got him a self call up. So we couldn't get a hold of Jason Christie, uh, not me, but my agent, because we're on all-star break. Right, okay. In the middle of all-star break. So my agent said, fuck it, I'll work it out with Christie later. He's like, this is your shot. You, you know, it might only be the weekend. They have a tough schedule, but you're going up. And I'm like, hell yeah. And he doesn't know I'm crushed at this time. Like, I'm still drunk. Right, right. And so, <laughs> you know, and I'm a little heavier than I probably should be, but it's the coast. So mm. I get the call. I rush to um, whatever that airport is in Chicago, O'Hare. O'Hare. Hop on the bird and, and end up... Uh, and end up, you know, going up. And then I meet with Tom, who, if anyone who doesn't know Tom Rowe, he lives down here in Charleston now, close to me, two and a half. Talked to Tom a little while ago. He's he's phenomenal. Like, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have played probably past that year. Because I would have been a veteran, like, very soon, and then I would have been done. So I owe him, him and my agent, like, everything of why I ended up playing so long and actually living out my boyhood dream, which I'm sure we'll get into later. But, um, so I go up and Tom calls me in the room and Tom's very intimidating, has very strong hands. I used to make it my goal 
as a human to work my grip so hard on grip strength, squeezing balls and these like hardcore squeeze uh, grip things. I could, when I seen him next, I would be able to like shake his hand. Like he shook my hand. He's one of those men that you like, you know, you're taught when you're a kid to look someone in the eye and shake their hand hard and yep. leave impression. You will never forget shaking Tom Rowe's hand. I don't give a fuck if he's 70. So He's a, he was the first American, I believe, to score 30 goals, and he had like 185 pins. I mean, he's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I remember him with Washington and Hartford. Yeah, I love him. And so he told me, he said, Gilly, it's great to have you. He's like uh, pretty much told me, he's like, you know, this might only be for this weekend, but it all depends on you, bud. It depends on how you do. He goes, we're desperately needing your element. We have a very skilled team, but we have a very soft team. He's like, He's like, I can't express to you enough. Just go do your thing. And I was like, well, yes, sir. I appreciate it. Like, I've been working hard to get this call. And so fast forward, I know you're going to ask me about it, but I'm in the middle of the story, so I'll do it for you. So my first fucking game, my first shift is against Mad Mel Anglestad. The Mangler. The Mangler, which is a fucking legend. Like, yeah. he's one of the who's who's. If For anyone who doesn't know, go research this shit, and you'll know that me and Joe are not lying. He's a fucking legend. And so I go out. I'm the baby face assassin. I got the blonde fucking highlights in my hair. No facial hair. <laughs> and I, I'm on left wing. And um, I go to him. This is what I say. And he'll tell you this, this exact story. I said, hey, Mad Mel. I go, I'd be honored to have you on my fight card. I was like, will you give me a go? You want to go? He goes, he looks at me, he takes his hand off his stick, and he goes, he looks right at me, he goes, you sure, kid? And I said, <laughs> I said, yes, sir, I'm sure. He goes, all right, kid, if you want to go, he's like, I'll give you a go. He's like, but we're going to do this right. We're going to go to center ice and take our buckets off like men. I said, okay. I'm like, he goes, all right, as soon as the puck goes, he goes, good luck, kid. And I said, thank you. And that, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. how casual it was, bro. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we go and we have a hell of a fight. I still got a little scar to prove it. Um, kind of by where the flavor saver would be on my bottom lip. He cut, gotcha. me. he cut me a little bit in that fight, but it was a hell of a fight. Like real close. I did really well. Um, a lot better than I thought I was going to, to be honest with you. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, the boys are like looking at me like I don't have any facial hair. I'm really not that fucking big. And, um, I mean, I'm a big boy, but not like how I built my body up. And uh, they're looking at me like I'm a fucking lunatic in the room. <laughs> it's my first shift, and I go to tough, pretty much the toughest guy in the league. There's a few others, but he's definitely up there, as you know. And yeah, he's so, at the table for sure. So then Tom goes, he pulls me aside, and he goes, great job, Gilly. He's like, man, he's like, fuck, you did amazing. He's like, you realize how tough that guy is? And, like, I didn't really know, Joe, to be honest. But yeah. You know, it's just like one of those things. Like, he's the guy. He, you know, I'm the guy. Like, that's what you do. And uh, yeah. and then Tom goes, I'm going to bring you to Newfoundland. He's like, they have a very tough team. He's like, you think you can do that again? And I was like, well, I'm going to be giving her. <laughs> <laughs> and so we go to Newfoundland. And uh, who do they got? Oh, uh, that Dougie Dow. They got Dougie Dow and um, Parrot. Parrot. They got a few other guys. But so I like them both in the next game. Um, two games, I had three fucking fights against three killers. And, um, 
you know, the other ones weren't like the first one. Me and Mel had a war. It was a great fight. And the other ones were, were not, not as, you know, hardcore that. But they were still, like, great names for the resume, you know? And, uh, and it was only supposed to be that weekend. And we come back home. Tom calls me. Then we have a day off like every other fucking pro team. You have one day off a week. Unless you're losing, they make you bag skate or something. <laughs> and so, you know, I show up to the rink the next day for practice early, like what you're supposed to do when you're a fucking young guy. And I did that my whole career. And I start working out. And Tom comes and grabs me. This is a true story. You can ask him. And he goes, I only speak the truth. So he goes, he goes, hey, Gilly, what are you doing? I said, I'm working out, Tom. And he goes, come here, kid. And I said, okay. And I just follow him like a little puppy dog. <laughs> And he, he'd take, and I just follow him. I'm not saying a word. I'm like, one, I'm in your head. Like I told you, you're always thinking the worst as a tough guy. You're like, ah, oh, fuck. He said just the weekend. I'm hoping I can skate by, like, till the next week, try to show him what else I can do. You know, that's kind of your mentality when, you, when you're when you a nobody. And um, he takes me by the, the lounge. And he goes, he, he's standing right there by the lounge. And there's, like, one of those doors where it's got, like, a rectangle slot, you know, with, like, a window. But it's, like, got, like, lines, almost like bars, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he goes, you see them in there, Gilly? And I said, yes, sir. I see them, Tom. <laughs> he, go, <laughs> he goes, he goes, you make the team in the gym, Gilly. You don't make the team in the lounge. He goes, keep doing exactly what you're doing, kid. You're staying up another week. Nice. And I just was fucking so fucking pumped. I went in there and rode the bike and lifted like a lunatic. And I went on the ice and practice all week. And, and just unfortunately, uh, it kept it going. And, um, he kept me. And, um, another time Tom calls me into his office and I'm thinking the same thing, right? Like I've been doing well, I've been fighting all these killers and I'm doing really well. Like I'm not beating the brakes off these guys by any means, but I'm doing really well. I'm fighting all the fucking time. Yeah. And, um, I think I might've had 15 fights in 25 games or something like that. 13 and 25, something like that. It was like pretty regular. Yeah. And, um, Tom calls me in his office and I'll never forget this. And I'm thinking, ah, fuck, I'm going back down to P-Town. Which I love Peoria, don't get me wrong. But, you know, I want to be in the American League. And um, so he calls me in his office. He goes, sit down, Gilly. And uh, he goes, <laughs> he's so intimidating. I, I mean, I know I'm a big, tough guy and everything, and there's so many tough guys been on this show, but they don't understand what I'm saying. I mean, he's an intimidating guy. He's so, the boss, man. Uh, yeah, well, especially when he's got your fucking career in his hands. Exactly. Uh, you know, I'm just sitting there kind of a little nervous. And he goes, a little birdie told me that um, you've been walking to the rink. And I said, I said, yeah, every day. Like, I didn't think anything of it. I said, yeah, every day, coach. And I, I quit calling him sir. I said, yeah, every day, coach. And he goes, he goes, Gilly. He's like, you, you don't think you can get, call one of your teammates or get one of your teammates to come pick you up and take you home? And I said, well, to be honest, coach, uh, you know, this is how I talked back then. I said, well, to be honest, coach, uh, I didn't want to bug the guys like, uh, you know, me and you stay after on the ice for like 45 to an hour and a half after practice. I'll explain that to you in a minute. Um, and I also stay and work out after practice when they go to lunch and, you know, and they leave. I said, um, I'm fine to walk, coach. He goes, no, you're not, Gilly. And I said, and I looked at him like so confused. I didn't say a word to him. <laughs> and um, he's like, I'm like, he goes, Gilly, you, do you not get it? And I said, I have no idea what you're talking about, coach. He said, Gilly, this is a little mass. He's like, you cannot walk to the rink. 
<laughs> and I, I didn't still didn't get it. And he just yeah. told me how bad it was and stuff like that. And um, I said, well, coach, you know, this is what I said to my head coach. I'm a call up. I said, well, coach, no offense, like, uh, totally respect it, but I'm not going to like ask the guys, well, yeah. you know, like I just don't feel comfortable doing that. And I really want to stay here and be your guy coach. I was like, you've been putting so much time. I was like, he had me on the stopwatch, like doing like stick handling between cones. Like he'd get me, like I'd lose some weight. So he'd get me in like fucking sick shape. Like I did so much work with him. It's insane. Like yeah. it's in, people have no clue. Like the guys would come out after practice before they go to lunch and just stand there by the Zamboni and watch me get bagged. <laughs> I wouldn't say a word. I was just like so hungry to stay there. I was going to do whatever the fuck it was. I didn't give up. And so at the, this is how most, almost every day ended. And you can ask him and he'll, he'll tell you that I'm the hardest working motherfucker he ever coached. And so he bagged me until I'd be down on the ground, pretty much puking or having like saliva coming out of my mouth. And he'd come fucking ta- whack me with his stick and my shin pads or my pants or my ass. And he'd say, great job, Gilly. He's like, we'll see you tomorrow. And that's it. And he'd yeah. fucking get off the ice. But Tom Rowe made me. Like I was wild and I needed that. And the time he put in with me, I've never told this before. I will never forget that. Um, you know, he, he created a life for me and my family and, um, he's a phenomenal fucking guy. I think all of us, no matter what line of work we're in, no matter what career, uh, especially when we're younger, we just look for someone to believe in us and give us that chance. And it's obvious for you. It was Tom Rowe. Yeah, he's the fucking man, dude. And it broke my heart that after that season to not go back to him. Um, but, you know, our farm team wasn't exactly a huge fan of the tough guy opponent. Yeah. I got a deal, um, you know, by my agent, Peter Cooney, who I love to death just as much as Tom, which is a lot. Um, you know, I don't know if I could voice that enough on here. But I got a deal down the road in the same division to play with my ultimate fucking idol in Marty McSorley, who protected the fucking great one. You'd have to be some kind of moron to not take (laughs) that fucking retard, to not take that deal. I mean, I'm going to get to be with my idol, who is one of the best of all fucking time, who had a gas tank that was fucking like a a tractor trailer, um, and then learn from him and just be around him and just suck up his knowledge like a sponge. And that's, that's exactly why I did it. And I told my agent, I said, I only want to go to a team where I'm the lone gun. Like, I want to run the ball. Like, I need to have a year where I can get an NHL deal. And we, this was all business development, which I do now. Yeah. So it's like all strategic shit. You know what I'm saying? So we had this fucking plan. And for it to work out was an absolute blessing. Now, and, um, we went to Springfield. And I'll let you go from here because I know you're gonna, you need to talk because I've just been talking like a fucking lunatic. <laughs> No, no, no. I love it. But I do want to go back to Peoria for one second, because as you mentioned, this was the start. Listen, you played for Smurf. Smurf's a great guy. Uh, I spoke to him um, over Twitter DM like a year or so ago, but uh, I met him back in his Portland days with Killer Kaminsky and Kerry Clark. I mean, just a super guy. I love Killer. I love Killer. The one thing I remember about Christy when uh, I went to see, when he was still coaching in Peoria, I went to see him uh, play in Trenton a couple of times and we're down in the back and everything. And he goes, look at this. He goes, look at that fucking bus. It was like the thing he was most proud of because 
I guess what people don't realize is it's a bus league and that bus. And I don't know if it was, if you had that bus when you were down in Peoria, but he said it was like state of the art bus and the, it was comfortable and had all these TVs and everything. We a, yeah. We did have a badass bus in fucking yeah. Peoria, man. Yeah. He was so proud of that bus. He's like, this is fucking state of the art bus we have here. And he was like, come take a look at this thing. And I mean, Smurf is such a great guy. I mean, and I love him. You know, I always like the little guys who play like they're 10 feet tall. I have so much, like we talk about Tyler Willis and everything. He's like fun that. to play for. He yeah. loves tough guys, man. And he actually knows how to use us. He doesn't just use you like me. Like he lets you fucking play yeah. with, which, which is so big in the game. Like it gives the, it gives the team such an advantage if you constantly are rolling your tough guys. I mean, obviously we're not playing power playing, fucking killing penalties, but but a regular shift having a guy like Voth on forward and Yablonski running around, and then on D you got Anthony Belza and Trevor Gillies. I mean, among others, Lawmaster Baker, Brendan Brooks would fight anyone. I mean, like. You know, when you constantly are rolling and people got to look over their shoulder, it's ultimate deterrent. It changes the fucking momentum of the game. Like, he just he just got it because he fucking played. You know, he played on a fucking killer team in Portland. Um, now, nah, he was fun to play for. I mean, I could have played for Smurf for a long time, but, you know, I am fortunate that I got the call when I was hungover and fucking all. Yeah. <laughs> now, what, what was it? Now, you have... And in and other interviews and you know conversations you and I you and I you and I had, uh, you're I mean first of all it comes through just in the time that we've spoken to you are very loyal and there is one guy that we mentioned you played with in Peoria who is your best friend to this day. What exactly uh, happens when Trevor Gillies meets Jeremy Yablonski and you guys just instantly become brothers? I mean, you guys are uh, I mean Jesus, you're two of the scariest guys ever. And uh, was it just something that you just clicked with him and, and it just worked out? Or I mean, what, what it's, happened? Like, it's like we're different. Like Yabo's a farm boy and I'm from the city. Yeah. But it's like the best way for me to describe it, it's like we're fire and water. It's like we're fire. It's like we're gas and fire. Right. You know, like what happens when you fucking, you know, put gas on some logs in your outdoor fire pit and throw a fucking match on it. I mean, it was like we just ignited each other. You know, and and just his like our personalities, like they're different, but you know, it was fuck I can't explain it. Um yeah. dude, like that's my fucking homeboy, bro. Like people think we're fucking lunatics, and we'll get into a story here very shortly. Um when I'm in Lowell and when we fight, because I'm sure you can ask me about it. Yeah, it might, <laughs> it might be on this list here. Yeah, and it's one of the best ones I ever had. But um you know, that is one of the best human beings on this fucking earth. Um, I mean, he's so loyal. I'm so loyal. Like, we, he brought me to Russia to play for this amazing family. I got treated even better than I did with the Islanders, which is very hard to say because I got treated so well there by the fans and staff and the guys. Um, he is fucking awesome. Like... He is doing so great post hockey. Like everyone's always worried about the tough guys. Like he's just a fucking, he's the dude, man. Um, I, I couldn't say, you know, anything more. Like he is, he is, I wish he fucking decided to move here. Like he was going to, he lives in Dallas, Fort Worth and doing well, but phenomenal wife, Sharston and his daughter, Taylor, she, you're going to be watching her in the Olympics someday. She's an absolute specimen. Nice. She's a savage. She's one of the best soccer teams in the nation. 
um, built, has legs like him, which if you've seen his legs, oh. he is a fucking, it's like a butcher shop, dude. Like you could get his whole body. He's such a fucking scientist with working out and eating. And I mean, that is a disciplined cat. I mean, people don't realize how tough that guy is. Like, I'm not going to get into his, his life story. Cause I want to get him on your podcast to tell it himself yeah. about his family and stuff. But, um, you know, what a guy, what a, what a great dad, um, you know, his, his stepmom, um, you know, like just phenomenal people. Like if anything came out of Peoria, like so many great things did, like my meeting him is, is one of the best things that ever happened to me. Like he is, he is awesome. If I needed Jeremy Yablonski tomorrow for something, go, if shit went down, he'd fucking be here. And it's really hard in life when you're done to be able to say that. And I got a fucking pretty mean crew I could assemble. And, and if I had a first pick, that'd be first fucking pick. So I hope that I, I did him justice. Oh, definitely. Okay. Definitely. And, you know, as we progressed and you said that you were both in Peoria, you ended up in Lowell, he ended up in Worcester. Uh, same division. Uh, all those New England teams, they play each other a ton of times. Toughest, and, toughest division in pro sports, bud. Yeah, so you're in Lowell, he's in Worcester. Um, so uh, now, uh, were you who was in who was where first? Did you end up in Lowell first, or he was in Worcester first? He went up first before me, but not to Worcester. Um, Cincinnati, right? Big Jerry went to Cincy, right. and I was still just I was kind of I had to pick up some slack for him while he was gone because that's a hungry motherfucker. People don't realize that Jeremy Yablonski was like a six time Golden Glove champion and only lost like two fucking matches. Maybe less. I mean, he might get mad at me for saying two. It might have been. <laughs> I mean, he's a fucking animal. He's a total nail gun. I mean, he's tough as they come. I mean, he's not a giant in size, but his heart and his 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 athleticism, his conditioning, um, his will to fucking crush your fucking skull is as high as anyone who's ever played. Um, and I know him like I know myself. So he is a fucking ultimate warrior. Um, so anyway, we get called up. Um, yeah, obviously know I'm a huge fan of Jeremy. I'd say a little <laughs> bit. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm in Lowell and, um, he gets called up to Worcester, which is our farm team in Peoria and St. Louis is the big club. And I get a call on one of those fucking little razor phones. Probably remember mm -hmm. them. Yep. I get a call. It's Big Jer, and uh, I remember it like it's yesterday, and it's fucking a million years ago. That's why it's so real about this. This is why it's pretty cool. I haven't, I haven't told this story. I can't remember how long, but uh, we're digging through the cobwebs, and we'll bring it out because it's an epic one, and it just goes to show the loyalty to the crest, which is what all of us guys that did this job, besides the turncoat fucks, um, truly believe. So I get a call from, you know, one of my best buds. Like, I mean, we're, we're pretty early in the relationship, but we're tight, you know, and, and this, these kind of things make you even tighter. That's what people don't get. So he calls me, I'm on the bus. I'm on the way to Worcester from Lowell, not a far fucking drive. As you no. know, mm -hmm. you know, on the old iron long, fucking making mean. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I get the call from Jared and I'm, I'm not a fucking old guy. Like I'm at the front of the bus, probably doubled up. And I get the call and uh, Big Jer goes, he goes, hey, Gills. He's like, how you doing up there, brother? And uh, that's how he talks. 
And I go, good, bro. I'm like, how you doing? I'm like, how's the boys? You know, like just checking in on the group. And um, he goes, oh, great, buddy. He's like, I just got the call, man. I just got the call. And I'm like, I'm like, this is exactly how I went. I'm like, fucking rights, bro. Like we've been busting our ass in the gym. Like I'm so happy for you. Like that's how the call went. Thanks, brother. And like, that's how he talks. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he goes to me, he goes, yeah, Gills. He's like, uh, I got the call to Worcester tonight. He's like, uh, I don't, <laughs> he goes, I got the call. But like, cause you're there, bro. He's like, that's a compliment. He's like, you're a tough fucker. He's like, he's like, but we got to go, bro. And I said, I said, excuse me. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, come on, bro. You know, like, this is my shot. He's like, we got to do what we do. He's like, we got to go tonight. And I'm like, all right, bro. I'm like, I, and this is what, this is how you'll know how honorable he is. He could have just sat back in the weeds like a big old musky or pike waiting for the fucking bait fish, right? Right. Me not knowing because back then there was no press release going across the ticker. He called me to man up. You know how fucking hardcore and gentlemanly that is? He, that means the most to me because he wanted me at my best. And any fighter should never take someone after a minute shift if they get stuck in their own end. Like certain things, right? Right. Um, he wanted me at my best and he gave me the opportunity, you know, to have him at his best and me be ready. And so sure enough, um, I'm on, I think I was playing D actually. Um, you know, he calls me up to the draw and I go on the left wing and he goes, he goes, uh, all right. He goes, brother, you know, we got to go. This is my shot. And I was playing more than him. And, um, I'm like, all right, bro. And he goes, he goes, he pretty much, he would always say this. He's like, show these motherfuckers what we're about. And we fucking have the most epic pound your fucking one of us landing punches. It went for fucking ever. Oh no, no, no. Sorry. Sorry. That's wrong. The first one, I think he lost his balance and, and you know, went down and, um, we ended up fighting again. And this is the one I'm telling you about. And it's mm-hmm. epic. And I believe I fought him twice that game. And the second one is one of the best fights I ever had in my life. Like, he's tough as nails. And the one thing I'll never forget is when we were done, like, absolutely having a draw war. Um, we give the old, like, we're so tired. And, we, you know, it's, you know, even though the adrenaline's going, you're just fucking small. And we just, like, hit each other's heads and, like, rub each other's heads. And he goes, I fucking love you, bro. I go, I "I fucking love you too, yes. You know, like, we're just, just like, fucked up. And then we, like, you know, we're getting away from the line. He's like, we love each other. Like, it is what it is, man. We're trying to make the fucking league, you know. We're trying to get to the National League, as my boy Shane O'Brien called it. You know, the Apple, whatever you want to call it. And uh, when when we're skating by this legend, Terry Virtue. You remember Terry Virtue? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so Terry... Terry, like, you know, I love the guy, but he, like, had, a, like, a weird list, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, this just makes the story better. And he, like, looks at me and Yabs. Yabs is on his team. And he yeah. goes, he goes, yeah, he goes, you guys are buddies? He goes, <laughs> y'all are fucked. <laughs> and then we just, like, looked at each other, and we smiled, and we went to the box, and we chatted the whole fucking time. You know, and That's then, amazing. you know, he and then Yab stayed and fucking had a hell of a career. And, um, man, we fought a million times, but every time, man, it was never ill will. It's like putting the loyalty of the crest on the front, trying to crush each other's skulls and break noses and whatever. I mean, we'll talk about more of them down the line, I'm sure. But, uh, 
you know, he's just a fucking awesome motherfucker. Well, uh, a couple of weeks later, you fought another friend, and that was Richard Scott. He was a uh, mainstay in Hartford. Like we, we said before, like, he was on a pretty good roll. I mean, that guy's tough as nails, and he did real well with Hartford, got a little bit of time with the Rangers. Uh, I mean, he ran into a monster and Eric Aarons, and that derailed him. But for a while there, Richard Scott, I mean, Richard Scott never – you never got cheated when you watched that guy fight. He was really tough, and you ended you, up fighting him that season. You would never be cheated watching Richard Scott fight, man. He was all blood and guts, bro. He was yeah. he was he was hardcore. I played with him in junior, as you know, and mm-hmm. we were tight. But um, you know, in the game, like emotions run high. I mean, this is a the last sport where you're wearing full armor um, and have a weapon in your hand. You're skating fucking twenty, you know, twenty four to twenty eight miles an hour, depending on how talented you are. And, um, you know, it was, we, we weren't against each other in the game, but we're both running around like fucking chickens with our head cut off. My agent used to call me Peter Cooney. I love that him. CMC, he's CMC management company. And, um, you know, Cooney would call me the swooping chicken hawk. Cause I'd always be hunting on the floor check. <laughs> and so, uh, we line up and fucking Dickie fucking sticks me. And then I fucking spear him in the nuts. Like, not too hard, but just enough to get his attention. And uh, let him know you're there. Yeah, tickle a testy. <laughs> and um, <laughs> he didn't like that. So he cross checks me. And then we get in like a little fuck you pushing match. And I don't know if this is documented. You might, might have already known this, but the fucking puck drops. And he's like, we're almost, almost like in a fucking stick fight, like in the 60s and 70s. And he's like swinging it at my fucking head. And then I'm pissed because I'm, this is one of my buds, right? I mean, I'm thinking you motherfucker. And so like, I'm like, let's fucking go, you know? And I'm pissed. So then we go and Dickie's got one thing about Dickie's not as big as a lot of the heavyweights. Like, you know, as, as guys, you know, in the league in the NFL, but he's fast. He's got fast hands. So we go toe to fucking toe. It's just a great tilt. But I got one of those uh, old CCM buckets. You remember them? Oh, yeah. 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 And so they had like a thick foam. But I didn't like the thick foam one. It didn't feel comfortable, and it looked like a fucking spaceship on your head. So I would get the old school one with tiny foam, which are really hard to find, by the way. Mm-hmm. And so he hit me right on the fucking, like, CCM logo at the, you know, what if you've seen Killer's Helmet, he used to put the, um, you know, whatever you call it, the shaving blade. Oh, like, yeah. Cuts in it. Well, that's Absolutely. the same fucking helmet I wore. It's a legendary helmet. Listen, to me, there's only two helmets you can wear. You can wear the old CCM or the whole old knuckle buster, Jim Cummins, Dave Brown. Oh, and then when, I, got, when I finally got to the league, the best helmet on the planet was the Easton. It would not come off. It looked good. Easton shit's the best. But at that time, that – you know, knuckle buster was already passed. Not one fucking guy had it on. You were old school. If you wore the CCM one, like we're talking about the killer. helmet. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the, the key to that helmet, what people don't realize if you were a fighter, some of these guys will love that. I'm bringing this up because this is a trick of the trade, you know? So if you took out the certain piece of foam in the helmet, the middle piece, and then put in small foam and kept the other foam, it would make it sit down farther on your fucking head. Oh, nice. Okay. You might not even know this, but it would pretty much be like right at your eyebrows, which is huge because it's not, you have less punching surface. And if you have any head movement, you know, they're mainly going to hit helmet, which is like 
having an airbag in your fucking car. Right. So it's a huge, it's a huge little trick. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously I had that and I had my chin strap done up fucking tight. You got to be some kind of a moron to wear like the Mike Medano chin strap as a fighter. You know, so, you know, and Mike Medano's a stud. And so, but, you know, fighters aren't wearing fucking helmets like that. So Mike Medano doesn't have to worry about his helmet coming off. Yeah, he had, he had Cherla and fucking beauties like that looking after him. Yeah. But that's that's mm-hmm. not the point. It's the point of the chin strap is tight. And, you know, you're ready to fucking buck, move your head, make him hit your head, break his hands so you can take advantage of him and come down the fight. Um, you know, that's the whole mentality. So we end up having a great fight, but I got a book. There's a book that came out. Unfortunately, the photographer died. Uh, it's downstairs by my, like, fireplace. Uh, it's in the wrapper. It's never been I've got some of them and it's all the legends from the AHL back in the day. So like, you know, Bon V, Mad Mel, Stone Cold, Steve McLaren. I mean, like uh, Parker's in it. He's a killer. Uh, you know, everyone's in it. Doug Duel, fucking Thornton, all the young bucks like Fritz, me, Yabo, Scroy, McGrath, and Jansen. I mean, every tough guy you've ever heard of is in it. Like, uh, ever. And um, it's a fucking badass book. I'll send you a cover, the picture of the cover when we're, when we're off air. Yeah, definitely. But I'm on the cover because he was a Lowell photographer, but he had permission to, like, shoot pictures through the hole in the glass. You know the hole in the glass? Yep. So over all the years, he, you know, he unfortunately passed. But um, he was a great fucking guy. And um, this book is fucking epic. And I'm on the cover, but it's the picture is is wild because I'm, co- I'm wearing the white Old jerseys, which were badass. Yeah, low like jerseys. Badass jerseys. And I wish I had that one. And um and we're playing on the best ice in the fucking league. It's the Tasongas Arena, the ice is so fast, it's amazing ice. And um and I have a fight with my buddy from junior, and it's an absolute war. But he hit me with one in the helmet, and the way I had a pad, it's called a pressure cut. And so he ripped me pretty good, not like a huge cut, but just with your adrenaline going like that, you, you fucking leak. So man, it was just like pissing down my face and like all over my shirt. So I'll send you a pic. You love, you know, I think I I know the picture you're talking about. I think it's, I think the picture at least is on Google. That picture doesn't do the fight justice because it looks like I get throttled if you look at the picture, but that was a fucking epic fight with the cover. It was the only fight I ever, the only time I ever fought Dickie, but um, he still hangs with my boy Coltsy. So I got to talk to Dickie actually within the last probably six months, which was really cool because we were we were very close in junior, and you know I'm, I'm very proud of him that he made the NHL, and, and uh, you know it's every boy's dream. And, yeah, um, you know he's Dickie's doing well. He's working, I think, with his pops uh, back home, and um, you know you can't win them all, and obviously Kenzie got him. But, um, you know, it happens to us all. So, you know, yep. he's a fucking warrior, though. Now, let me let me set up this season. So I want to I want to set this up for the people out there who, even if they're fans of yours, they may not understand this season you had in Springfield. Now, you mentioned earlier that you wanted to go to a team where you're the guy. And long there's really the long no game. other help. Well, this is it. This is the team. Because what I do when I do the research is I look at the rosters and I always make a note of who you played with. Like, for instance, when you're in Peoria and I'm writing down all those guys. Well, I went to Springfield <laughs> and you're the only guy, really. And then the next toughest guy, well, obviously he was retired, 
is your coach, Marty McSorley. And oh, after him, he was as tough as me for sure. Marty what? probably still could have played. Like, he looked good. He's in shape. Yeah. Fucking well, loved it. The, the three toughest guys on the team were yourself and the two coaches, Marty and Gord Deneen. After that, there's nobody. But I want to, I made a list. I want to read this I list. I forgot Gordo coached me again there. I yeah, you had him about again. Gordo. See? All right. So now I'm going to I'm gonna rattle off a list of guys. So don't say anything until I'm done with this list because I want to give the people an idea of the kind of season you had. So I will tell you when I'm done, but I want I want the people to hear this and absorb this, okay? So this is one season. In Are you going to say the multiples? Because I fought some guys a lot. Trust me. I got this, okay? You ready? You got it. All right. Counting exhibition. Colton Orr, five times. Stone Cold Steve McLaren. Three times. George Paros, three times. David Kochi, Mel Anglestead, Jeremy Yablonski, Brendan Walsh, all two times. And then I have you listed as fighting Scott again, but that might be wrong. Uh, it wasn't much of a fight, but they gave us okay. five. I remember it. Okay. PJ Stock once, Joey Tedarenko once, Sean Thornton once, and Mike Brown once. That's not even all your fights, but those are the bigger names. I mean, Colton Orr five times in one, and obviously this is a young raw Colton Orr, but it's Colton Orr five Love times. Love that fucker. Steve McLaren, who I will I will pump his tires every chance one I get. Top, I one love of the toughest to ever play. I love Steve McLaren. One of the toughest I mean, to ever play. That anyone, list, you ask the real guys, they'll all say Yabo, Scroy, anyone who like knew that guy or truly fucking had a war with him knows how tough he is. I mean, the, he had fucking forearms like Popeye I didn't even wear fucking bowel pads barely they were on but like they it would be, he was fucking nails well the one thing I the one thing I say about McLaren and you someone like you'll appreciate this I don't know if it, if it registers with a lot of people but I moved down to Philadelphia after the Frank Bialois era was over he had moved on to Hershey but for anyone that is a Frank Bialois well, fan Frank Bialois sent me a signed pick I love that right. dude I never right. fought him but I like followed him growing up at the time that Frank was with the Phantoms the only player that was more popular than him in Philadelphia was Eric Lindros. Okay. Frank was immensely popular in Philadelphia. So for a guy to follow him and do the job with the Phantoms, that's, those are pretty big shoes to fill and enter Steve McLaren. And they couldn't have picked a better guy to do the job because Frank, he's, he's this big, rugged, flamboyant guy. He's got the hair going he, he just in warm ups, you have the fans chanting, We want Frank, we want Frank. Yeah. I mean, he was perfect for that city. So to, to have a guy come in after that, monster shoes to fill. And McLaren, completely different personality. McLaren's just like the quiet gunslinger, doesn't give a fuck. He'll just kick your ass and go to the box, and that's it. Yeah, and I always tough. said, I always said the way the Phantoms did it, the way the Flyers did it for the Phantoms. They had uh, Frankie Bialois was their first guy. They replaced him with Steve McLaren, and they replaced McLaren with Pete Vandermeer. And those guys oh, really – and, and they had – obviously, they had guys with those guys. Philly always had tough teams. But as far as the top guns, you had Frankie, you had Steve McLaren, you had Pete Vandermeer. They, they couldn't have picked three better guys. And what McLaren did with Phantoms, because that's when we were down there, we were living down there, it was unbelievable to watch on a nightly basis. Have you ever seen the fight of him? I believe he's with the Phantoms where he fights a young Scott Parker and Scott yes. Parker shatters his fucking nose with one of the first shots. And if you watch that fight and you're a fight fan and you don't realize how tough and how hard that is to do 
when your nose is fucking smashed. That fight is one of my all-time fave hockey fights. When um, ba- back in the day, well, back in the day when there were internet message boards, there were these fight message boards, and huh? when that fight happened, that was the big debate: was who won that fight? Like it, it's who won the fight? Well, it's Parker landed. Well, that's the call. thing. It, it depends on how you grade it. Parker obviously landed the best shot. But McLaren kind of just blinked and kept going like a Terminator. So that was the big debate. And I remember. And you, and you notice the punch. You know fighting yeah. like me like and all these oh. guys you have on here. That was If that would have hit anyone else that wasn't in the top probably two in the league, they're going to sleep. Oh, Like they're going to be – you're going to be looking down at them like, how's your nap? And fucking yeah. Stone Cold just ate that motherfucker and yeah. just kept coming back with a vengeance. I mean, that is one of my all-time fave hockey fights, and that yeah. is a strong statement because there's a lot. Yeah, and he was – his nose, I mean, for I don't know how long, because then they came back home, and he's still after games walking around with a tissue because his nose basically got crushed in that. They're, which they're t- wild. And he just, like I said – I was you in like- the league, obviously, at that, but yeah. that, you know how it goes. I mean, it, oh, yeah. follow it. it. It makes it down. I mean, just like I said, I bring up McLaren. Obviously, uh, guys like Colt Norn, George Paros have bigger names because they have NHL NHL guys. But I think for the people that listen to this show, that are the hardcore hockey fight nerds. Well, we all George, George wouldn't go me in the NHL. I never had a hard time with George. Yeah. Uh, George used to have terrible balance. I respect his career. He's still doing his thing. Uh, good lead. Um, you know, he won a Stanley Cup. He was the ultimate prize. So, like, huge respect. Uh, well, with me, time when he was on his way up, he was yeah. nothing compared to the guys you mentioned. So, no, definitely not. But he has more name recognition than mainstream fans. But of for course. the hardcore fight fans, I mean, most guys take a backseat to McLaren. Well, and most, I love of, and most of them might not like my interview, Joe, but you know, I'm real. So, but to talk yeah, about the guys, you, the guys you mentioned, like Cole Nor, what out of all the guys I fought that were young. Because a lot of the guys were my age, right? We were all coming up together. Or they were a little older, you know. But, like, the young crew that came up, like Cam Jansen, super tough, great hitter. I love that dude. I still talk to him. Yeah. Um, Colt Nor became friends with after. It's like, not like we're on the phone all the time, but, like, I could call him. He's a great fucking guy. But, like, there's two names I'm going to throw at you. Obviously, Jansen is probably the third. But the, the second one is DJ King. The oh, yeah. first one is Cole Nor. I fought Cole Nor ten fucking times in my career, counting preseason, and I'm the most on his card. He's the most on mine, so we know each other very well. And um, in that category, and Colton, when he first came up, I was thinking, this is fucking one hungry cat. Like he's asking me every shift. Like, you know, I mean what a career he had dude 600 games like he can't even open his hand his he's one of the people i know that has probably a worse looking hand than me and mine is horrible mm-hmm. um he's I, when everyone when anyone asks i say i knew from day one after fighting colt nor as a rookie many times and dj king that they were going to be playing in the nhl all the time i called it i said before they made it, I said, these two guys, when people ask, how tough is that or? Like, that was a hell of a fight. And I said, I said, he's as tough as anyone I've ever fought in my life. I said, Cole Knorr, and then DJ King, I think, was the next year. I said, these two guys will be in the NHL very soon, and they're, gonna, they're not coming back. Like, they're staying a long time. Like, they're both fucking 
so tough. I was not happy when uh, the Rangers picked up Colton Moore, obviously. And one day I went back as uh, if you're number one on his card, I think number two has to be Matt Carkner. Those guys fought all the time, especially when uh, Orr's in Toronto and Matt's in uh, Ottawa. And I went back and just fast forwarding through the DVD and just watching their fights. And I'm just like, man, that guy, I mean, you know, I love Matt Carkner. Absolutely. I love him to death. And I'm just watching Colton Orr just, I mean, guy's a Terminator. Like he's, he's just tough, so fucking dog. tough, man. And if you watch him, he doesn't really like tuck his chin. You know what I mean? It's almost yeah. come on, fucking hit me. Like, I mean, he's fucking throws bombs. Um, he he. One time, I did real well against him early on, and then the, you'll like this. I want to give a mention to a guy that you respect and that you are friends with as well as me. I have his hat and his shirt downstairs in my closet, hanging proudly. I wear it every every now and then. Is Doug the Thug the real goon? Oh um, yeah. yeah. Dougie the Thug, for people who aren't following, just the name there, um, he has a movie. If you haven't watched it, you need to crawl under your rock, out from under your rock and watch it. It's called Goon. And it's a comedy, but it's based on his life story. And he has a book that blows the movie out of the water. Phenomenal guy. So, like, I used to do really well against Orzi in the first few. And then Providence, as you know, Joe, but just to, you know, kind of break it down for everyone else is, Providence hired a fight coach. Yep. And they had they had him before, but you know, he worked with Orr, he worked with Bonvies, worked with Stock, he's worked with fucking me, he's worked with fucking Scott, he's worked with McIntyre. I mean, the list is so long. Um, and Orzy learned how to throw lefts and he also learned how to fight lefties. Orzy gave me my first slight concussion, um, with like probably three and a half weeks left in that year. The last fight I had. Most people don't know that, but it's a hell of a fight, but he switches up and catches me with a left hand and I w- he never threw lefts. So, you know, that just goes to show everyone's constantly trying to get better. We're not just standing in the pocket, chucking them for no reason. We have to figure out different ways to be different people. And um, he, 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 he caught me with one. It was the first time in my life where I went to the penalty box. You'll laugh your ass off it. And most people are probably be like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? <laughs> Not my audience. It's the first time I go to the penalty box where I like look at the players that are on the ice. And then I look up at the scoreboard. And when I'm looking at the players while they're skating around, not fast, right off a draw, there's like tracers on them. They come on. Oh, shit. Or something. And then when I look up at the fucking clock, I can't read the score. I can't read the numbers. And they're big in Providence. Or no, no, actually it was in Springy, I think. One of one of the two, whatever. And uh then I knew I got back to the bench and don't say anything because you know, you take the sniffer from the trainer, crack yeah, it, yeah. get a couple sniffs, squirt some cold water down your neck and on your face, you know the deal. Mm-hmm. Anyone who doesn't admit this sure as shit wasn't fighting the right guys. because um, <laughs> it happened a lot. And so you know, get back to the bench and coach calls my number and, uh, you know, says, you know, Gilly, blah, 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 whatever. Fourth, usually they'll call the fourth line center and you know you're up. Well, my line, I wasn't going to say anything. So my line goes, Gilly, Gilly can't go. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then Marty goes, you know, then Marty obviously was, you know, he knew I had a hell of a fight. Um, and so Marty goes, big guy, he goes, big Gills, you all right? And I'm like, yeah, I'm good coach. You'll never, you never, you never want to show weakness, especially when you're the only gun on the squad. And, um, you know, and then he's like, 
he's talking to me some more and he knew I wasn't right. So he called, he called someone else, you know, Marty, Marty wasn't one of those guys. Like he, he knew what was up. So, you know, I'm sure they planned on re-signing me. Um, I had an unbelievable year fight wise. Um, yeah, it was wild. Um, but you know, that wasn't in the cards. So, you know, my agent, we already kind of, you know, we were working on stuff and knew there was some interest from a few teams. And right after the year, we pretty much knew that as soon as um, free agency came that we already had our team picked. And, um, you know, Islanders fans might hear this, but I ended up signing a two year deal with Rangers, got a lot more money in the minors. And, and uh, yeah, that's how it went. Before you signed with them, there was one thing I want to ask you about aside from that list of absolute maniacs that you fought. Yeah, I mean, that was a very tough year. The- the two toughest years I think ever in the American Hockey League was that year, and then the year after the lockout year. Um, like at least while I was there, there was there was not two, and I was there a long time. Um, those were by far the two toughest years um, ever in the AHL. I think. Well, I want to ask you about an incident that didn't involve one of those assassins. It actually involved a buddy of yours and someone who. Uh, came to his defense, but uh, didn't go well for him. So there was a game in Hartford. Uh, I didn't see it, but I was reading an article about it where you apparently landed a monster elbow to your buddy, Brandon Cullen. Do you remember that, where uh, Craig Weller came in to defend him? And obviously that's a big-time mismatch, but do you remember the whole sequence of events? Yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, Cully plays pretty pretty quick stick gator, and he was banging, he, he was banging around, and he fucking ran me, and like I was running around when he came the next time. Um, you know, I let him know, gave him the Gordy. And um, that's how it was. This, this is not where, this is not the NHL where it's all the cameras everywhere and everything's scrutinized. This was back in the jungle, as we call it. All the fighters who are legit and real, like I am being, because I've had a bunch of bourbons. Um, we call it the jungle. You'd be real without the bourbons. Let's come on. Let's well, be honest. That, but be especially real now that I'm on the bourbons, I wanted to go the extra mile with you i appreciate that I, and i plan on doing so as you can tell um you know I, I i let him know um you know like he was taking an exceptional run this wasn't a, a couple like quick foot boom finish your hit you know this is what it takes to get to the league the way way he was doing it um is what how we all played um whatever it takes and we're trying to run the guy through the fucking boards so he came and I gave him the elbow and then obviously he went down and uh, you know, it was not probably the cleanest thing on the planet nor to do to your friend, but was the cleanest thing on the planet to run your buddy. Um, so I look at it. Right. So like I was raised, I don't care what anyone thinks to be honest, but I was raised by my father killer be fucking killed. So after that, then, you know, you got to pay the piper. Right. So I'd be a pussy boy. What I call a pussy boy. If I didn't admits and go, well, Weller came over and, and we went, and I think I shattered his nose. And then we ended up becoming teammates the next year, and I absolutely love the guy. I'm sure you're going to get into that. I, it's always funny when stuff like that happens because inevitably within a year or two, you're playing with a guy that you might have put out for a while. It always happens that way. You're right, and pretty much I terrorized their team when I was yep. in springy. So, you know, and obviously that's three three teams in the same division in a very radius to each other um lowell to springfield to hartford you don't get closer than that and i don't think on any three hl teams in the league 
Um, so, but, you know, I had to take the opportunity. I finally got the chance to sign with a big club, um, which is the NHL, the show, the National League, whatever you want to call it. Um, and that was my shot. But unfortunately, um, it was the lockout year. Yep. But also, fortunately, every single team, all the young heavyweight killers in the NHL came down. You got new hunger guys, plus you got us other guys that have already been there. The league was wild. It was like the Wild West, um, and it was so fucking fun. I played for, who I know you're going to ask me, but I'll already bring up their names. I played for legendary Nick Fugue, assistant coach, yep. and Ryan McGill. I called yep. Gilly Gillitron. And... Uh, <laughs> Man, I love those fucking guys. And um, and I also played for Sean, Jim Schoenfeld was our GM. Um, yeah, I love him. What squad we had. Um, and my boy Tom Rowe, unfortunately, had Eric Stahl and, and another cast of characters that were a hell of a team and Cam Ward and fucking Nett. And we went from being first place in the league to losing. The, there was a big brawl. I know you're going to ask about We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, and then we end up losing in the first round, which is a totally was not supposed to happen. We had the two best goalies in the league and Jason LaBarbera and, and Steve Valaket. We had me, Grenier, McIntyre, fucking Wellesley, who was one of the fucking best hitters in the league at the time. I called him the Moose. We had Ryan Hallweg, a rookie that was just a fucking absolute bowling ball out there, murder guys and just fight anyone in his own weight class. And then we had Dave Lifferton on defense, a rookie that was tough i mean it was insanity we had jamie lundmark jed ortmeyer jeff hamilton um joseph valley i mean i could just keep going i mean the team was fucking insane Andrew was our captain and he was in forever between binghamton and hartford yeah great guy really good guy great pro good example to young players um first one at the rank really tough to beat kenny g to the rank and i took pride in being the first guy or career kenny g would already be fucking fully lathered you know he's an old old, old gray mare like i got blessed to play i think he was around my age he was late very tough to do with minors you're not getting the, the best food flying on the best planes getting the best massages i'm sure we'll talk about that to carve out a career anywhere over 12 years is really really impressive in the minors. Play like close to 20 is if you're a still guy or a fighter, it's a, it's a big tough thing to do. I want to talk about Steve McIntyre because he's a guy that at that point, his reputation in the minors was established and it would be a few years before he went up to the NHL. But we've talked about a lot of guys that you played with and we're going to talk about a lot more. But that guy is, I, I mean, he is just an absolute monster. Uh-huh. Absolutely. I mean, so what happened was, I was leading, I think, probably almost the fucking league um, at the time in fights. Um, you know, it was a tough, it was a tough um, league. So it's tough to stay in the leaderboard because you had guys like Cole Knorr that were fighting every fucking night. Um, you had Brendan Sugden's fighting every fucking night. You had Brian McGratton fighting every other night. Those two are on the other side. You know, like it was insanity. The fighting majors, if you look at that year, is insane. Um, so I'm fighting all the time. And uh, we had a hell of a team. And I block a fucking shot. Kevin Dahlman, actually, um, who was a hell of a defenseman. He still played till recently. He might yep. still be. I have no idea. 
but he played forever. Very talented, bomb shot, offensive D man. I played against him in the O. He played for the Guelph Storm, and um, he had a hell of a career. Made a lot of money in in Russia, and um, has a bomb. And so, obviously, I'm not the best shot blocker on the planet. So you know, kind of reacted like a goalie and opened up my leg instead of staying square. And he fucking hit me on the navicular bone in Easton's gates. And so it shattered that fucker. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you have a major weight-bearing tendon, um, which is goes through the navicular bone, if you if you look it up. And, um, I, I mean, I, had, I was in a boot for forever. I just worked out like a lunatic. And, uh, and then that's when my boy Steve McIntyre called up because I was okay. in a condition. So Big Steve was down in Charlotte. Um, I believe with my brother at the time. Um, I think my brother was there by then. Um, my brother was with, it was the Charlotte checkers. Yep. And so big Steve comes up and fuck, I just hit it off with him. Like, yeah, I mean, totally different personalities. He's a lot more laid back. You know, he's, he like literally does like team roping and stuff. Like he's, he's a legit cowboy. I mean, he's a fucking bad motherfucker. And, but he, you know, he still had him into his own the way he did. I mean, Steve McIntyre ended up turning into one of the toughest of all time. I will argue that with anyone. He had fucking dynamite in both hands, granite jaw. You can hit him with a fucking Louisville slugger, you ain't going to kill him. You ain't going to knock him out. Like, he is cowboy tough. You know, another Sask boy. I mean, I'm a proud mm-hmm. Ontario guy, one of the guys that made it from Ontario. But, like, if you look at the list of fighters over the years, and I know you'll agree with me, the majority of them are fucking from Saskatchewan or Alberta. I mean, oh, yeah. it's tough motherfuckers, like hard winners, yeah. like hard traveling junior. I mean, for them to make it out of those little farm towns, it's some tough, tough hombres. Um, and I just hit it off with Big Steve, man. And um, we became bros. And um, I was there when he picked out the, I helped him pick out the ring for his first marriage. Um, you know, just a great cat, but just to see him to play in the league and to do the destruction he did, uh, knowing the type of person he is. Like, my dad, he was there when my dad, right after my dad's stroke. Like, he used to come to hockey schools with my bro. Um, my parents love him. He's a phenomenal human, just like Yabo. So, I'm glad he's doing well. He's a fireman in North Carolina and, um, you know, one guy that I that truly love as well. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've never met him, but he's a guy that every time he would fight or just pop in an old DVD or something and you see him, you can't believe it. You just have to watch it. It's, remember it's when he scary. Hit, remember when he hit Brashear with a body shot, like back in the day when he was with Florida, and he hit him in the, with a liver punch? Yep. I believe yeah. on the left hand with the left hand of the body. And, and Stevie Mac, what people don't realize is uh, Big Mac is a fucking righty. He just can throw both, and they're bombs. His hands make – I have big paws in size. His hands make me look like I'm a dwarf. And another guy on there on that team that we have to talk about that doesn't get any fucking credit in the hockey world, but I fought him a few times and know how powerful and how tough he is. He just didn't like it, is, is Martin Grenier. He was next. Martin fucking Grenier is a fucking animal. He just doesn't didn't realize like how much of a killer he really was, and he didn't like it. Right. If he liked it and continued, he lost a little bit of weight, which, you know, Marty always worked hard. Marty was a good, solid D-man. Like in the old school, he was fucking solid. But, man, was that guy a fucking killer, Joe. Like I can't yeah, explain yeah. it to you. Like that's three mutants. And out of, if you look at it out of the four guys, you know, with Wellesley, 
You got Wellesley, McIntyre, Grenier. I'm by far the smallest of those fucking four. I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> I mean, they're fucking mutants. Like, yeah. they're mutants. They're fucking huge. Um, but Bringer, Grant, I, Grant, you know, Grants, like Martin Grenier, yeah. I mean, his fucking hands, bro, I got mallets. And same with Matt. Like, when they put their hands up to mine, I look like a fucking little boy. And I'm, <laughs> it's insanity, dude. Like, yeah. it's like you're getting hit with a fucking, you know, 12-pound sledgehammer. It's... Um, but no, man, what a team, what a team, um, you know, and then when I finally, when I got healthy, I came back and fucking me and Matt got to be line mates. Dude. You know how fucking that was? They was kept the, him up. The set him down. I don't know. They probably, to be honest, like with, with that much meat and the talent on that line on the wings, Matt on right wing and me on left wing, they probably put like a guy like Jed Ortmeier out with us. Yeah, he can be 10 feet tall out there. No one's going to go near him. The reason why I say Jed is out of total respect is just because Jed was so rock solid in his own end. Like, he was one of the best defensive players that I played with ever in the American League. Like, this guy would eat shots with his fucking face. He'd win draws. So, like, it's real important when you're on the fourth line um, to be able to win the draw. So, we get, you know, we win it back. Whether me or Mac whack it back to the D, you know, then they backpedal and do their thing, you know, D to D, you know, maybe a hinge, like D to D up the wall. You know, uh, Fatio had all these really cool plays. So, like, even though Gilly was the coach, Fatio was real big on face-off plays, which people probably have heard over a few podcasts if they know him well. Um, he's a scientist with that shit. And then, like, different little systems that no one else would do. So we'd catch them when they're slow in the neutral zone. And so it would work out great for our line. Because if we were in the offensive zone, we were very dangerous because we were just hunting the puck like it was a fucking grenade that you wanted to throw back at the enemy. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So, like, we would just murder everything that moved. And um, and then we had a third line, like when me and Mac played, we had a third line that consisted probably of a skilled centerman and then Ryan Hallwig and fucking um, Craig Weller on, on the wings. I mean, like, they, they can skate better than us, and they're fucking both absolute be- the best hitters on the team and probably in the league. And then, you know, you have two lines of just absolute talent, um, plus two goalies and a badass decor. I mean, we were fucking wild. I mean, it was it was an impressive squad. Um, it really was a lot of fun. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, to see Mac go on and do so well, and you know, in my opinion, uh, for a guy that played that long, he is one. He's probably, out of the modern era, I put up in the – you know, obviously after Probert and all those guys, um, I put him in my era, like right there with Derek Bugard. Um, he's that, he's that, and he's that devastating. My wife goes, you talking about Maxie? My wife loves this shit. My wife knows more about the tough guy role than, than any tough guy playing. I'm sure. I'm sure. Absolutely. That's the best kind of wife to have. She's telling you good night. Oh, good night. Good night, Miss Skills. I'm sorry. I didn't hear you. <laughs> She's loving this. She knows I'm having fun. Cause down here, Joe, I never talk hockey, bro, ever. Like, I'm in the South. They don't give two fucks about hockey. Well, hopefully, well, just so people know that we are now approximately, we're more than halfway into our fourth hour. We're at, we're at about four and a half, 440 so far that we've chatted so far tonight. So, uh, and I don't think we're halfway done. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because we're gonna go big on the Islander stuff, so we're not even oh, close yeah, to that yet. That's the best. Yeah, 
We're not even close to that. I love you. Okay. Good night. Good night. Good night. (laughs) Yeah, she's great. No, she's she's fantastic. Absolutely. So you let me know when she needs you, and I'll I'll release you from this. No, she doesn't need me at all, bro. I mean, (laughs) all right. Trust me, that's gonna happen. All right, so let's talk about a few of the guys you fought that year. So it it adds to the intrigue because I didn't know that uh, Kazalka had broken your nose that time. And in the exhibition, you fought him and uh, you fought Andre DeVoe and uh, another little guy, Mitch Fritz, uh, in the preseason. And you also fought Kazalka and Fritz, Fritz two more times in the regular season. So uh, you pretty much picked up right where you left off uh, from the season four in Springfield. Well, I knew that it was a lockout year and it was probably going to end. Um, and just with our team, you know, I was the guy like on fourth line. I mean, obviously we had Renner as the back end guy, that killer. Um, you know, so I wanted to, you know, as a new team, I wanted to prove my worth. And it's not like I had to look for fights, Joe. Like, no. Um, the was so stacked, bro, that, I mean, you were going every night, dude. Um, Unless you were dodging fights, you should be, you should have been going almost every night. Like it was that fucking wild. That's what we called it. The jungle. Oh four oh five was insanity, and it was so fucking fun. And um, man, like crowds were awesome all throughout the league. I mean, you know, yeah, legit NHL players that were good players that came down because of the young. They're young, and the NHL teams wanted them to play and develop. And then you fucking goalies come down and like a guy like Cam Ward, like he wouldn't have been playing the Myers. Um, you know what I mean? Yep. Uh, you know, Eric Stahl, I mean, fucking borderline Hall of Famers. Um, and they might end up being Hall of Famers. Like, um, you know, it was fucking awesome. And um, yeah, so I, you know, I started the year off with a bang until that injury. And, you know, um, the Fritz, the Fritz, the Fritz fights were always, um, we're always a challenge. Um, you have to be aware of a human that big. Um, he might be the biggest guy I ever fought. I think he's taller than, than Boogie, the boogeyman. Um, they're close for sure. They're definitely yeah. close. I mean, I think Boogie was bigger, like height, height, uh, weight wise. Yeah. He's broader too. I think Fritzy's fucking long, Yep, but he wasn't afraid to like fight close ranges either. Um, you know, I was real good about going in and out of his right arm, um, you know, bound the body and come up because he's so tall and try to pull his neck down. Um, but, you know, Fritzy was my replacement. He's also a Cooney guy. So, yeah, you know, yeah. he was my replacement when I left, um, when I signed with the enemy, as they say, because yeah. there's a huge rivalry between, um, you know, Springfield Falcons and Hartford Wolfpack. So when I left and signed with the enemy, they, you know, Cooney got Fritzy to, to Springy. And great guy. I've chatted with him off the ice uh, during those years after fights because we have the same agent and um, just a great guy. And, um, you know, then also at the um, Islanders alumni thing, just like, a you know, it seems like a gentle giant. Um, If he had my personality and my thought process in his body, um, Mitch Fritz would have played in the NHL for forever and I'm not, and I'm not tooting my own horn. I just, people know that I'm a little like, you know, like I loved it. And, yeah. uh, and I have a different mentality, like a yabo, you 
know, like a Raspy, like uh, a lot of these guys, like, you know, there's so many I could name. Um, we'll get to all of them, trust yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's tons. Or McGrath and, you know, Scroll. I mean, all of these guys loved it. McLaren. Like, all, I mean, there's a, there's a who's who. I mean, that's that was the AHL. Everyone fucking loved it. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. No, I don't want to interrupt. Go ahead. No, go ahead. So I'm going to introduce someone who has, we haven't uh, talked about him yet, but I know we both love this guy and you fought him three times this year. He was with Bridgeport before you, Eric Goddard. I mean, what's that? Uh, I mean, we, uh, we both love the guy and we both find him extremely underrated, but yeah, I, I know we'll hear talk, your thoughts. we talked about him many times uh, off air, like back in the day with the Isles and as well as recently on the phone. Um, you know, they don't call him the hand of God for nothing. Um, you know, I, I hate that he's not mentioned more, you know, probably because he didn't do a lot of dumb shit, um, you know, but Eric Goddard is as tough as they come. I mean, he is, he's arguably in the top five in the modern era. I mean, he's a killer. Um, one thing I want to give Godsey a shout out for if he listens, um, I don't know if he does or not, but my brother got called up to um, Bridgeport. Eric Goddard and my boy Collie, um, a couple guys. I probably um, there's a Metropolitan or something like that. But Goddard especially took my brother under his wing. It was like super good to my brother. So I always remembered that, even though I had to go out and fight him. Like I yeah. backed him in the box after we first fought. I think we fought two times in one game. Mm-hmm. If you look at it, um, I thanked him for being cool to my brother. Um, and you know that's my favorite human. So. Uh, you know, Godzi's tough as shit. Um, you know, he's got edges on me. I've got edges on him. But um, you know, that guy is an ultimate warrior. Has throws very hard. I used to feel his punches. So I would put my helmet. You know, we'll talk about that when I get to the Islanders. But I would make my helmet, uh, tighter a little bit with, against certain guys. And he was one you definitely paid attention. Um, he hit me so hard through my fucking helmet when I because I would tuck my chin pretty good um, through that Easton that I would yeah, feel yeah. those. You know, you know, guys, when you get dung in the helmet that you're feeling those hardcore through the helmet, he punches that hard. So, uh, you know, uh, I'm glad he's doing well. He's partnered up with, um, you know, Parker and Kote and some of the boys, and they're helping a lot of uh, wounded warriors and ex-combat UFC boxing guys, ex-football and hockey guys, um, you know, transition and, and heal their bodies through CBD and different things. So um, the ultimate respect for him. Um, he's a tough motherfucker. Yeah, and I don't know if he listens, but if he does, call me, dude. I want you on the show. <laughs> it's been too long. Call me. So yeah, he's he's the real deal, and yeah, I love him. I um, you always handled it with class. You know, if I asked, which I'm not going to bring that up. We'll talk about that in the Islanders days, I'm sure. But like, just always with class. Um, you know, knew it was coming. It was never a jump. Um, mm-hmm. and I did the same thing with him. Like. I knew how real deal he was. I mean, you don't get right to the American League with no East Coast games unless you're a fucking animal. You know, you know he's the real deal. So, uh, you know, I'm glad he's doing good and, and a huge cheers to him while I suck down some bourbon. <laughs> well, this is the part. Now, you've mentioned him a few times, and that's Derek Bugard. So everyone knows uh, your first fight you know, with the Ducks, you fought Derek Bugard. He was at Minnesota. But... I think that, one, that one went. That one ended real well. <laughs> well, we're not up to that one yet. But you did fight him. The first time you fought him was actually this season while he was with Houston. Have you and, seen and, it? 
I haven't seen it. That's what I want to know what happened. Okay, okay. Because I think um, people generally think that first fight, the Anaheim fight, was the first one. This one seldom gets talked about. I have no idea. Yeah, because yeah. they don't know like you. You you did more research, and you also know it better than anyone. So you're right, and I'm glad you brought it up because I'll get up. I don't talk about this. But um, I fought Derek Bugard when he was real young, maybe his rookie or second year, um, and he was with the Houston Arrows, and they came to our barn. It was the fucking kid game. I don't know if you if you've heard of those, but they're like, like we oh, start at like eleven o'clock. Yeah, and it's the like, uh, school games. Yes, and there's no adults in the whole stadium. It is the loudest, and and you know the Hartford Arena is fucking awesome, and yep, it's yep. loud, especially when you got that many kids, like so loud. And um, I mean, shit, I fought Derek Bugard before twelve noon. I don't know a lot <laughs> of people that can say that. Um, <laughs> you don't have those games in the in the NHL. So, um, anyways, it went well. Um, you know, it's not like we squared off, but it kind of was just one of those like boom, boom, bang into each other. It happens type deal. And, um, you know, he's long, but I was able to get a good grab kind of by the back, by his neck and be able to have him at my side. So landed some good punches and, you know, he kind of fell. It's not like I dropped him or anything like that. Like, uh, it's not like I TKO'd him or not. You know, did well on that one. And then, obviously, everyone knows the second one that I'm sure we'll talk about, uh, you know, sometime soon. And, and I'll be fully transparent, just like I am with all the others. Nope. Oh, been awesome. awesome so far. Before we get to that, though, want to ask you about the fight you had with uh, someone who you're going to see at the end of the month. We've mentioned him already. And for Islander fans out there, uh, Mike Scroy actually did spend some time in Bridgeport with the Sound Tigers. Not too long, but he was there. Uh, and you, he was with. Uh, I'll tell you, I can't wait to tell you about that. I'm the one who got him his call up. Oh, fantastic! Well, listen, why don't we talk about his fight yet? You fought him this year, if you remember. He was at Wilkesbury Scranton, and then after that, please tell me the story about him getting his call up. I'd love to hear that. So, fucking, we're in Hartford. Let me think. Is it Hartford? Yeah, I think it's still Hartford. We're in Hartford, and he's with uh, Wilkesbury, Wilkesbury Scranton, whatever they want to call it. Yeah. Um. I don't want anyone to be mad at me. So <laughs> I have a hell of a fight, a long war with David Kochi in the same game. Yep. And it's a great fight. I fuck up my hand in the fight, right? And I go up there and I, you know, I didn't, I don't slow my game down just because I have a fight. Like that isn't how any guys that do my job think. So, you know, we're still going to play the same way. We have to, we're not skilled enough to go down and score. You know, like we need to, when we're in the office offensive zone or anywhere, we need to be banging bodies and finishing checks. That was, I call it multi-ball. Like when you're playing pinball mm-hmm. and like you're doing really well and you have millions and millions of points, then all of a sudden like six to eight balls come out and it just fucks up everything on the board and you end up dominating. Well, that's kind of how the fourth line played back in the day. It's like, multi-ball. Mm-hmm. and so everyone played that way. And so I'm running around. And then I uh, get put out on the draw, and then I'll, you know, and Scorzy goes to me. He's one of my best friends. He goes, Gills, we got to go. And I said, I can't fuck. And I wanted, I would have went him, no problem. I said, yeah. I can't go. My hand's fucked. And he goes, we got to go. Like, he got sent out, you know what I mean? He, yeah. I think his coach was Tarian, which is a lunatic. Yes. Um, and I was pissed because, you know, a lot of times you – you let your, you know, not even your buddy, just anybody that has something wrong, um, kind of off the hook if they're fucked, if something's not right, right? Right. That's just part of it. But um, 
I, I respect it. I understood it. And uh, we ended up having a fight. Um, you know, it was, I think I gave him like a little black eye or whatever. And he might have landed a few more punches than me because he has fat pants. Um, but it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a war like I had with Yabo or certain guys. But, you know, it was one of the ones that, you know, it wasn't fun fighting him to me. I would imagine not. No, meaning, meaning like we're, we were, we're very close. Um, right. Okay. So it's like one of those things, like my mom and dad were in town and then he came up after him. Pop shook his hand and, and like my mama loved on him. I mean, so that's what people don't understand. Like, you know, right. yeah, we have a job to do and we're fucking Neanderthal retard or whatever they want to call it. <laughs> but ultimately we are very human people and, and still love on each other after. So, um, you know, I'm excited to be honored to be his guy, one of his guys, um, of a few guys to, to stand up for him. But, you know, Scrooge had a hell of a career, tough dude. But when he got the call, um, I was actually, where was I? You got to tell me. But um, we needed a guy. Um, so Kenzie comes up to me and tells me that they got no toughness, um, not enough. Well they, well, they had toughness, but they didn't have enough. So he wanted, he wanted to know, when was I in, where was I? Where was I at that time when he got, uh, uh, can you see it? Oh, uh, let me check. Was I on the island? I mean, if Karen's is coming up to you, you're definitely with the Islanders. I feel like it was. I mean, I've had a lot of bourbon, but. Um, it would have to be, because where else would he come up to you? Yeah. So anyway, I, I tell him about Scrozzi, and um, he said, yeah, we want to call him up. And I said. Well, I'm telling you, he's, he'll fucking come up. Like, he's the real deal. Like, he, that's his nickname, the real deal, Mike Scroy. So, you know, I said, he's the fucking real deal. I was like, I'm telling you right now, if someone will fucking fight him, he fucking go anybody. Like, he, I've seen, I've seen Scroisey fight like a seven foot tall guy at this bar in, in Orlando called the Roxy. He used to be the fucking champion. He used to fight there all summer for training. He'd fight fucking monsters and he would kill them. And, um, you know, he's doing a hell of a job just to give him a little respect because I love him. Um, he trains boys and girls on ice and off ice um, skills and also, like, does camps and skating yeah. in his garage. He also trains with um, this badass MMA gym. I don't know the name of it right now. I think it's called Fusion XL, to be honest. But, um, you know, you'll have to look it up. But I think it's Fusion. And they have, like, UFC guys. They have like, tons of up-and-comers. And Mike is one of the striking coaches. He's he's very into this, and he studies it, and he is very very tough, um, and he loves it. And his son is a stud. He's just a good dude, man. So it was cool to see him get the call, but uh, I don't think anyone would go. So that's uh, well. If anyone wants to know what Mike's doing, just check out his Instagram. He posts videos constantly throughout the day, like you say. He's he's obviously a huge fan, and uh, and on the pro fight side, like us, um, you know. He's of the mentality where if you were fighting for a living and you thought you weren't going to come out with a fucked up neck like he has or, or whatever, my hand, my, my hip, like we all got something, right? Boo hoo. But, um, you know, I mean, he's one of the guys that's real vocal. A lot of us don't say a whole lot on social media, um, you know, which is, which is fine. Um, and I don't really either, so I can't say I, I do, but yeah, he's not um, shy. That's for sure. No. And I love that about him. Yep. I know. And, um, on here, I mean, I'm in business, right? So like, I don't need to, 
be talking about what I do. I'm sure clients will hear this and and that's fine because this is what I did and I took pride in in doing it and um, made a nice career of it and have everything I have in life because of it. Um, the relationships, my wife, my son, a great life. I mean, the list, my daughter, the list goes on and on. Travel the world, um, you know, but at Literally. the end, yeah, but yeah, exactly. But at the end of the day, um, you know, a lot of people still don't get it. So if they, you know, if they really want to take a look deeper besides the ice guardian movie, which they did a good job, um, you know, you know it, you know, the role, you know, everything that, in, that it encompasses, but a lot of people do not. And, um, you know, that's, that's a shame. Uh, I mean, it's been a passion of mine for a long time. I mean, uh, it's really goes back decades. It's been so much fun. It's been a great journey, but like I, I, I said before, a lot of that credit really goes to you guys, because if I had started doing this and I met a few of you guys and you guys were like, oh, fuck off or whatever. I would have been totally soured on it. And I just probably would have went the other way somewhere. But it's something to say, like, like you say, like you, you guys, well, for me to say that you guys are good judges of character is sort of giving myself like a, a backwards compliment. But my, That's this good. Passion, I agree. Well, but this passion that I have for it, like I said, uh, and it, let's call it an interactive passion because I can be passionate about model cars. It's a one way thing. I like building model cars. I put it away. Uh, but my passion for the role, if I don't get the feedback from you guys or I don't get like uh, brought in, let's say to circle or where you guys trust me, then it's kind of like, well, I'll go look elsewhere. But like, you know, for all the nice things you're saying about me tonight, and I really appreciate it. I really just throw the credit back to you guys, because ultimately, uh, if it weren't for you guys, then I would just be a guy that, uh, you know, talking about the videos I watch, but really have no you know, I, then it's like, this is what I think. This is what I think. Instead of saying, well, I know this because I've, I've been on the inside and I've well, you hung out with so many of us. Like, you know, the role better than people who are doing it currently. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> because you knew it, you knew it when it was like hardcore and real, like you knew yeah. it when it was more, way more hardcore than when I got there. I mean, a lot of the guys you've had on your show are guys I grew up idolizing. Like, I mean, there's so many of them I've listened to. I mean, for Dakota, I mean, like stuff you've done, um, which is really cool. I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan. Like, I'm not just your friend. Like, I don't just listen because you're my friend. Like, you do a great job. And and uh, it's like a lot of info. Like, if someone really wants to know somebody, you know, you can kind of tell by when you're breaking down like their whole life. Like, I mean, probably you can tell a lot. Like some people are probably more passive than me. And that's fine but this was my life's work. Like this is my passion. So everyone's going to come across a different way. And if people truly want to, you know, understand everything about it, I mean, I could take this all the way back to a kid and why this mentality developed. And, um, you know, I'm sure that we can do that other time, but, um, you know, you do a great job, Joe, and I'm honored to be on buddy. Well, uh, trust me, the honor is all mine and, and, uh, I appreciate the compliment, you know, uh it's it's a passion i mean it really is i've been doing the show now for a little over a year and uh you know i've said this in my intros and i've said it to people in passing but doing this has really kept me sane the last year and um you know with everything going on with the covid and everything and uh you know i said we said this the other day on the phone like it gives me a chance to 
reconnect with a lot of people like you and I have spoken throughout. We never really lost touch, but I can reconnect with people that I haven't spoken to in 10, 20 years. And I can also make new friends along the way. So, uh, I love doing it. And, uh, you know, but like I said, people don't tune in to listen to me. That's for sure. But, uh, am I episode 61 wild? You are going to be, I believe episode 48. Well, you'll be episode 48, but it's probably going to be amongst four separate episodes. I think you're wrong on that. Well, all right. Let me say this. I've had more episodes than that, but there were some episodes I didn't give a number to. And there were some oh, episodes. Oh, I got you. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, so 47, but it's actually the 60th installment. Right. So what happened is like, let's say when I interviewed Dean, you and it up into two parts, maybe that should have been episode one and episode two, but I just made it episode one, part one, part two. Mick Vakoto is like episode whatever, part one, part two, part three, but I didn't give them individual numbers. So you'll probably be the mid 60 episodes because this is probably going to be a four parter. Uh, but number wise, it'll be like 48 part one, 48 part two, like that stuff. And then well, you're kind of goes- lucky because I work from home. So like, uh, tomorrow I'll get up super early, go hit the mitts with my old fight coach. who's one of my best ones. I do a set of cards and that is a dance up and, um, then I'll get back home and start grabbing. <laughs> so like, it's not, not like I have to go into the office. I'm in my office currently. So man, no. I just, let's keep going. Let's chop it up. All right, so let's talk about one guy who fought multiple times, but this is the first time you fought him. And now we've talked about guys who hit like absolute free trains. I don't know how hard this guy hits, but what I do know is when you drop the gloves with him, you better be prepared to go for a long time because Cam Jensen does not have an off button, and I don't think he ever gets winded. So we've talked about a lot of guys who hit hard and they're really tough, and Cam Jensen's really tough, but he doesn't stop. So you got to be ready to go for a long time when you're fighting this guy. Yeah, I call him Bam Bam. I love Bam Bam Cam. I mean, fucking one of the best shirts I ever got. Well, I, I like I like to shoot. I like to talk shit. Everyone knows that I was kind of sharp tongue on the bench. Um, you know, let them know you're there. <laughs> <laughs> and Slapshot says, let them know you're there. That's it. Bleed all so, over them. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, Cam, you know, he's another young, hungry rookie. We had a, you know, I ended up getting the better of him in that fight, but it was his rookie year. Um, you know, when, when, as he got a little older, before he got to the show full time, he had a hell of a career and I love his podcast. Uh, yeah. This is a phenomenal job. Just a great dude. I partied with him one time before a game in Portland. This is years later. And then we ended up having to go or, or he fought Smitty or something like that. My buddy, buddy Smith. But, um, Cam, Cam gave me a chirp one time, not that year, but when I got to Portland and he like. It was a stoppage of play, and I'll never forget it. I was standing there yapping at him because he was running around. I mean, that's what we did. So, like, mm-hmm. that's what you were supposed to If you weren't, then you weren't effective. If you're not banging bodies, then you're not getting to that. you got to be able to hit. You know, you can't just fight. Um, right. So, and Cam was a phenomenal hitter. He just fucking steamrolled dudes. And so, um, Cam looks at the bench. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> And Kevin Denise, the coach, we have a great lineup and um, so many great, great guys and great players on that squad, too. Um, and he says to me, he goes, Gillies, don't be mad. He's like, I'm just younger, I'm faster, and I hit harder than you. We're the, we're the exact same player. 
He's like, you can't be mad. Like, in just the way he said it yeah. was fucking, I was just like, how can I even be mad at this guy? He's right. He's just a young, <laughs> he, he's 100% correct. He's just a younger version of me, and he's going to the league. Like, um, and, he, and I just started laughing. Like, I, I couldn't be mad at him. It was, fuck, he was right. Like, I mean, we don't touch the puck a lot. We murder people and with hits, and we fight. I mean, he's, he, he was 100% correct. But the no, ultimate respect for Cam. Um, you know, what a warrior, like, and like you said, what a gas tank, like, when I, I'm sure we'll talk about that with the Islanders days in the preseason. That's one of the yeah. best fights I ever had. It was, like, two-plus minutes, and, uh, you know, I was proud that I went the distance with a guy who was known to have tremendous heart um, and be able to, like, kind of, like, maybe go a little longer than Cam, which is, which is a bold statement because, man, I mean, that guy had probably one of the best gas tank line. Um he was willing to lay it on the line that much more, you know, and, and with his size, you know, Cam's jacked. I mean, there's no secret there. I mean, he's fucking jacked. But, you know, he didn't have the reach and the height, but just like sit there and like wave off reps and shit. I fucking love that shit. Yeah. It's, it's the ultimate warrior. Um so yeah, I mean I got I got huge respect for Cam. If I was close to him, I'm sure we'd hang out every fucking day. He's my kind of guy. Now you guys are similar. But there's no way he rocks the blonde highlights like you did. Well, I don't think Cam has much hair. <laughs> well, even back then, I don't think he. I don't think he can and pull I that can't, off. And I can't. And I can't share because I love him. But uh, I have a fucking. My hair is really white quick. So um, yeah, I don't think Cam ever had hair. He also played. Remember, you got to remember. Like, I don't think he could. So I don't think he could do something like I did. Right. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah. With Lamarillo, he played. He played for Big Lou, right? Yep. So, like, yep. it's all business, buddy. Like, you know, look at all those guys. Scroy used to always have wild shit, mm-hmm. clean shave, short haircut. You know, Clarkson, all the guys who had the character on that team. Um, Cam Jansen. I mean, they. You had to do. You have to throw the line, or you won't fucking be there. And um, that's what we talked about earlier. Well, and Cam had Lou Lou on his show, and it almost. Uh, oh, I love that episode. Was that a great episode? Or almost yeah, sounded like he had the principal on. Yeah, I'm a know? huge fan of his show too. I listen to his shit all the time when I'm at the gym. Same with yours, or or in my backyard doing So, um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's got to be like it'd be like me having a podcast with Tom Rowe or or Gar Snow or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like. Mm-hmm is the guy you have ultimate respect for that change your life. And, um, you know, and what are you going to dive real deep on them? You know, right. Like it's, it's a tough, it's a tough play there. And, you know, you might have a little bit of nerves because, you know, ultimately the respect you have for that individual, um, you know, and, and, and I kind of, that's one of the reasons I like the episode, to be honest, like he's, you know, it's not like he is now with, and he does a great job still now, but, you could you could sense that um, um, respect and and how powerful um, you know. Let's be honest, like Garth and guy like um, you know Lou, they have your balls in their hand and they can crush yeah. them any time. And you're back down to the minors making one fifteen or whatever the fuck it was one oh five, which was you know whatever the entry waiver thing, um, you know, and so. That's one of the things I love about the episode. That was good. And I think uh, 
Terry Ryan has his own show now, but he had one before this called Third Man In, and, and he had, uh, I believe, Sheldon Sorey was a guest on there. Yeah, was and, uh, too. I, I listened to it. Yeah, and Sheldon talked a lot about Lamarillo, and it's like the guy's just all business, but you know what? Every, as long as you do what you're told and do what you're supposed to do, the guys have nothing but respect, you know? So, And it comes out when they talk about it. I mean, absolutely. I mean, look, look what he did. Look what he's done with the Islanders. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously Barry Trotz is a, is a big piece. Like, uh, you know, think of it. I mean, there's no secret. He's a fucking winner and he knows the recipe to win. Um, if I was in the game, it would be an honor just to like sit there and listen to a man like that speech. I mean, oh, if, you're, if you're not learning something from him every day, working for him as a staff or or on the you know hockey hockey op side, then you're a fucking fool because you don't stay in the game of hockey at the NHL level for that long unless you're a mastermind. Um, Absolutely, and that's just the truth. Um, how'd you feel when you were traded to Anaheim? It was shocking. Um, I think, you know, Anaheim didn't get a very good deal. Um, for you, for uh, I mean, let's think about that. Like, Steve Ruchin, look at his fucking stats. I mean, the guy lit it up. I mean, he was a good player. Uh, yeah, he had 30, about 30 fucking goals. Um, you know, so it was a shock. But, um, you know, I got to go to Brian Burke's team and he loves tough guys. Yeah. I love Berkey. I love Brian Burke. I'm about mm-hmm. to read his book. My agent just, my agent, Peter Cooney just said to me, I love Berkey. I played yeah. And got it for me for Christmas. I got, I'm in the middle of Kiprios's book now and then Burke's is next. Yeah. I got, I'm, I'm in halfway through shift work. Ty Domi, huge Ty Domi. Okay. Um, and then when I fit, cause I don't have a lot of time to read. I'm working all the time. Yeah. Once I finish I, which will take me a while, then I'm gonna, then I'm going to hop on Berkey's. You know, I think it's called Berkey's Law. Um, yeah, excited about it. Um, but you know, I played for Berkey those two years in Portland. He's an amazing guy. Um, you know, obviously, he gave him a shot. It didn't work out the way um, I had planned, but uh, it is what it is. I'm sure we'll be talking about that soon. Yeah. Um, you know, I got to play um, when I came back from Finland and decided I want to be close to my family, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. Um, in Orlando, um, Berkey gave me the call and uh, gave me a nice raise, and I got to go to beautiful uh, Abbotsford, British Columbia, and, and we'll talk about it later for a phenomenal coach with one of my best buds. And um, yeah, no, I got ultimate respect for Berkey. He's uh, he's the real deal. When um, when you went to camp with Anaheim, who else did they have? Was Fedoric there? Who else was in camp with Anaheim? Yeah, we had a tough squad. Um, yeah, Fedoric was there obviously the fridge is pretty good player and a uh, very tough cat i've talked with him post hockey too he's doing well um, yeah great guy um and then also obviously kippy kippy's a buddy i like mm-hmm. kippy um so kippy was there kippy brennan and then myself uh, there was other dudes too i mean pronger i mean and niedemeyer i mean this is a fucking team that ended up winning a cup yeah uh, brad may was he there <laughs> No, nah, he's the year after. Brad May okay. was there the year after. Uh, maybe Pronger was too. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, Brad May, uh, they had um, Georgie Peros and Travis Moen, who my brother yeah. fought. He's a tough, good, good I love Travis player. Moen. I love him. Yeah, me too. He's the real deal. Um, really nice guy too. And, um, and then they had my boy, Sean Thornton, Sugar Sean is the real deal, man. Oh, yeah. 
my captain in Portland before he got the call to win the cup and never came back. Uh, Ultimate warrior fought him a ton. Um, you know, worked on his game and got the opportunity to play and um, showed everyone that he could that he could really do it. And um, you know, dude, what a guy and phenomenal fitness, really into fitness and eating right and um, just a true pro. And uh, to see him get two cups is fucking awesome because uh, you know I've I've taken his best, he's taken mine, and many times and always respect and got to play together and. Um, you know, what a career he had. He's a oh, fucking yeah. warrior. Yeah. He's a warrior. And then, you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about our NHL fight later on. But, um, no, he's the real deal. But um, just great teams in Portland. Doherty, Doherty is, uh, I mean, I go way back with him to St. John's. And um, I had a good relationship with the people in Norfolk. That's how that's how I met uh, Bogsy when he was in Norfolk. Uh, Al McIsaac, the GM, and Trent Yoni. I used to get all the game tapes from them. And it started... Uh, back when Aaron Downey was there and uh, Parrot, and then it just continued when Thority was there, and that's when that's when uh, Joey was really young, and we would always go to the games, and go downstairs, and it's so funny, like the things that that kids like. Boxy would always give him hockey tape, and he would play with it, like he just thought it was the most amazing things. And Thority was always so great to everyone in the family, and you know, like one thing I would say, like guys like you, and there are some guys that just always acknowledge Andrea. Like if she's down, she's always down there with me and everything. And guys always, you know, like I'm there to talk to them. They talk to me, whatever. But Doherty's always one of the guys and Karenzi was the same way. Uh, always like, you know, included Andrea in the conversation. And, you know, it was never just about hockey and everything. Like Doherty was just such a good, good guy and a character. I'll never forget one day, you know, veteran in Norfolk and they got a lot of young kids and, He's coming out and he's got like the veteran thing. And he's like, all right, you guys make sure you grab the bags, you grab the sticks, you do this, you do it like real authoritative. And then when he's done, he looks over at us and gives the half smile and the wink. And I just lost it. I thought it was hysterical. But that's, you know, that's the, the rite of passage. You know, you're a rookie, you're going to do that stuff. And then one day you'll be a veteran and you'll be telling the rookies what to do. And, and, uh, you know, I, I'm so glad that guy won cups because, uh, you know, like you've known him a long time. I've known him a long time. And just to see from where he came from, and I'm sure he had a lot of naysayers too, and uh, he got the last laugh. And now he's still doing well. He's one of the the big shots with the Panthers now. Absolutely. I mean, it just goes to show, you know, for any kids listening, um, you know, you dream, fuck the naysayers, and, and just follow it. And, you know, he grew his box a lot bigger than a lot of other people, which, you know, I'm the type of people I like to see my friends or anyone win, um, yeah, you know, and, and to see a guy like that grow that much in his role and, um, you know, and just to have the career he had at both levels. I mean, I think he's one of only a few people who have played that many AHL and that many NHL games. I mean, yeah, he's, right. he's fucking legendary. So, you know, hat my hats off to him. Cheers. I mean, um, you know, I know he was a hell of a teammate, a hell of a combatant. And, um, you know, to see a guy like that, that's just the American dream. And obviously we're both Canadians, but it's <laughs> Canadian. Canadian. Yeah, it's exactly. And it just <laughs> goes to show to any kid listening, like, regardless of what people say, if you want to be the fucking president, you know, you want to, you want to play this or that, I mean, go all in and, you know, at least at the end of the day, you'll know you give it your all. Because, you know, guys like Thornton, myself, and pretty much every name we brought up, um, you know, we were all pretty much told at a young age that we had no shot. And, um, 
you know, it's it's super cool to see something like that uh, transpire. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And uh, so now in Anaheim, the only fights I know of about in the exhibition you had one I saw a uh, pretty big TK over over uh, TKO over Tom Katsopoulos. and I know you also fought Parker, but I didn't see that one, so I don't know how that one went. Um. Well, you know, the Tom Kostopoulos one, I mean, he's a lot better player. That's not who he should be fighting, but, you know, he's on his way up too. So, obviously, I won that one. Yeah. I would really want to talk about, to be honest. Um, but, no, super honored to have Big Big Parker, um, the sheriff, on my card. He didn't have to fight me. Um, he was a longtime tough guy uh, by that point. Um, he was San Jose Shark. At home in San Jose, I asked him to go. He gave me a go. It was nothing to write home about. Mm-hmm. I knew he was a lot longer than me. Um, I knew that he had a, a wild right hand, so I made sure that I kind of got my um, my hands on um, early and kind of to control and neutralize that right hand. So it was, and to be honest, it wasn't much of a fight. Mm-hmm. Maybe a few punches here and there, and then we went down. Um, so, but still such an honor to have him on my card. Um, because I mean, he was awesome and he still is. I've talked to him post hockey. He's doing well. He's in that same group, helping a lot of people. Um, you know, it's definitely not one of the highlights of the career fight wise, but super, you know, cool to have him on my card. Yeah. You know, Stanley cup champion, baby. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. baby. So now I'm going to make you smile. Tell me, so Islander fans are aware of the the team, the the full season you had here. You played with a guy that I love, that you love. What's it like playing in the American League with Zen and Konopka? Because up here, uh, the one thing I always say about guys, certain guys, they bring the junior mentality, the American League mentality up to the NHL, and I think it brings so much color to the game. Uh, and Z is just one of those guys. It's just his spirit is infectious. And he always had that smile on his face too when he's playing the game. You could tell he loved it. What was it like with with? And you had, uh, I think, for a little bit anyway. You had uh, Kip Brennan down in Portland too, and also you had O'Brien down there. So what was that whole thing, whole experience like playing? But especially with you and Z, because you eventually, obviously, went on to play here on the island. Um, it was incredible. Um, I don't think my words could do him justice, um, especially at the American League level. But I'm sure we'll talk about it impact on a room and um the true leadership qualities and things that z brings to the table and even at the nhl level um to, to even talk about it is an understatement he is the ultimate leader um i've seen zen and Kanopka when he was a rookie in the east coast league have a full bubble on chirping him a little bit because i went to z's party a party of z's back in the day when he was 18 we were in junior he was with the ottawa 67s and i'm buddies with some guys from down there in niagara falls st Catharines, where he's from uh brooksy cullen all those guys and have a z's a z's a killer and so you know a guy that was a good player probably not the prettiest skater but just found a way to get it done and at the american league level z Opka can play all situations he's pretty much a point of game player with us he's the best face one of the best face-off men i've ever had the probably the best i've ever had the privilege of playing with um as well as block shots fight heavyweights you know mainly sticking his weight but he's not afraid of fucking anyone no and just his leadership in the room and being able to bring a group of guys together like i told you like a family Mm -hmm. um 
is the best I've ever seen. Um, he does not get enough credit for what he brings. Um, phenomenal player. Kill penalties, play the power play. I mean, regular shift, fight. I mean, you just can't. At the American League level, you can't. You, if I had one pick of any fucking player in my era, obviously the game's changed. Who would my, be my first signing for the American Hockey League? I probably was Brian Burke's first signing, to be honest, besides his draft picks, would be Zen fucking Konopka. I mean, he's the man. Um, he is the real deal. Um, and, you know, a true friend. Um, truly love. I look forward to the Islanders alumni thing every year because I know I'm going to get to spend some fucking awesome time with, with my boy Big Z. So, um, you know, what a warrior. Assisted my first NHL goal. Yep. You know, I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Uh, yeah. But just, you know, so many memories and being able to be an assistant captain on his team um, with him was a fucking honor. Um, he is phenomenal, um, you know, and, I, and I'm glad he's doing well post-hockey. And, you know, what a guy. I mean, shit, look at one of the guys on his fight card. Zenon Kanaka is not a legit heavyweight. Like, he's a fucking warrior. And, um, you know, he was willing to battle every night and fucking shatter his face and wear a bu- bubble getting hit in the face. Like, he'd be playing with, like, meat hanging out of his fucking leg from getting cut with a skate. I mean, he's a savage. And, um, you know, if, if, you, if people don't understand that or don't truly realize the impact he had, um, they don't have a fucking clue. Oh, he's got the heart of a heavyweight, even if it's not in. If he's, he's got not, the heart of a fucking yeah. pack of lions, not one. I mean, yeah, he's, he's the real absolutely. deal, dude. You know, and you know him, you know him, but uh, a lot of people don't, 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 and they should. I always said, I'm going to say this now, and then we'll talk about it more uh, when we get into the Islander years. If there was anyone on that team that should have had the C, that and this is from an outsider like maybe i'm more of an insider than most fans but obviously i'm not an insider in the room like the team is but that guy was that guy should have been the captain and we're, we'll, we'll we'll get into it later but i agree I with you on, 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 on especially on portland as well i i agree with you on portland yeah. um we had a we had a good captain um his name's aaron gavey you know and back how it was in the american league is like usually you're real old guys who had been around long time many years up whatever um they, they were the captains gabe is more of a silent type leader he would you know speak and get people listen but you know zenin's like the guy in war that you know fucking <laughs> like the movie troy you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like zenin's that good looking brad pitt motherfucker and I'm not, I'm not saying he's good looking but he's like <laughs> that Pitt in that movie like he's yep. that guy like mm-hmm. he rallies the fucking troops and he does not give a fuck. You're either on the page or you're off the page. And so he does probably the best of making sure everyone's pushing and everyone's pulling, you know, little dinners at his house with the whole team, team you know, little parties and make sure everyone's getting together. He's who I learned a lot from. I've learned, I learned a lot from Zenon um, and he was younger, you're younger than me. And I also learned a ton um, from Yao. Um, just like how to be in the like how he was vocal in the bench in the room, um, you know he's one of my all-time faves. It, it's no secret. 
so you're hitting you're hitting all the strings here because you're naming uh, yeah, and I didn't talk to you at all about this, so I'm impressed nope. that you. No, I appreciate. Well, it just goes to show that, like, maybe I got a good judge because these are some of the guys that I love. Um, you know, Shane O'Brien is like one of my boys. Uh, like, I love that fucker. Um, you know, so like you're just naming the names that are like literally some of my favorite humans I ever played with. Well, let's let's just say that we both have excellent taste, and uh, and I can tell character through the TV, and uh, you get to play with these guys too. So let's just say we're both pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if my daughter thinks I'm that fucking cool anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I don't think my well. Once you I, have I, kids, it's like okay, okay dad. <laughs> well, every day, at least. Uh, sometimes both of them but at least dominic tells me and i kind of do it on purpose he calls me cringe i do all the dad jokes and everything and i do it on purpose but uh yeah i don't know I, if i'm that cool but, i just uh, realized i'm not really that funny but i like to laugh and i, I oh, appreciate people who are funny yeah oh uh, you know he lets me know i'm really not that funny no we have a good time here so that's all right usually it's andrea and i against the two young ones and uh you know, we have a, we have a fun, we laugh a lot here, which is all you could really ask for. So, uh, but if you ask my kids, I'm very cringy and, uh, you know, I'm not funny at all, but I think I'm all right. I agree. <laughs> well, likewise. True jam, as we say. Oh, you're too kind. So let's talk about the other Deneen that you played for, Kevin Deneen. Now, here's a guy, not a heavyweight, but he played a ton of games in the NHL, played physical, you know, comes from that hockey family. Uh, I'm that. You know, assembling a team with you and uh, and again, he's the coach. He's not uh, Burke's assembling the team, but you and Z and O'Brien and and Kip Brennan playing oh. you guys. You know, he had to appreciate the what you guys brought to the game. Yeah, let's let's discuss more about that team. I mean, you know, I mean it's the who's who, um, and I'm nowhere. I was a fourth liner, but like you got. You know, P.A. Parento, so talented. You know what he did in the island, what he did yeah. in the NHL. But, like, the guy's a stud American League player. Um, so talented. You know, you got Zenon Kanopka, Tim Brent. Um, Curtis Glencross was on the fourth line with me. The guy scored 30 fucking goals in the National League in Calgary. Like, he made big money. He's a, he was a good player. Um, I mean, the list, you know, you had Perry, Penner, Getzlaff at a time. I mean, it's like, it's insane. You had, uh, you know, Jordan Smith, tough as nails. Um, he lost his eye. This is my boy now. I love this kid. He was one of the toughest rookies i ever seen in my life. He'd go toe-to-toe with Cam Jansen as a rookie. Just a phenomenal, phenomenal warrior. But he got hit in the face. A slap shot went from the point, hit a stick, and, and hit him in the eye. and cost him his career. But he's so oh, fucking tough that he continued to play when he wasn't allowed to play because you weren't allowed in pro hockey with a certain amount of vision in, in one eye. Right, right. Um, and so he went and played at University Canada and was a fucking captain and still played with one fucking eye. Like, he's a bad motherfucker. And I used to fish with him all the time and he, he got a dog. Um, you know, I, I think it was Yellow Lab with me and I, I was there when he picked it out. Real tough, real, real tough dude, and just a phenomenal guy. He's a he's a coach in the OHL, so he's giving right. back and he's helping young players. And he would have played a long time in the second round pick. Tough as nails, play good defense. Um, but just we're still friends. I talked to him a little while ago. Great guy. Um, tons of great times with me because I was injured a lot, you know, mm-hmm. here and there, and we spent a lot of time together. But um, 
truly loved player. We had another guy, Nathan Saunders, you know, young defenseman, biker guy. He, like, loves bikes. He's just that motherfucker. He's tough. I think he's from there. Um, you know, it's the who's who, man. I mean, you know, Aaron Rome, Kent Huskins won a Stanley Cup. I mean, you got just all these guys. I mean, it was a hell of a team, but play for Deneen to answer your question was an absolute honor. Um, you know, I still have it somewhere, probably in my filing cabinet, of a letter I got from Kevin Deneen after the season. Um, it was his rookie year. You know, you know, just how much heart he put into this letter is something I've always kept, kind of like mm-hmm. thanking me and, and um, you know, just for making his first year a great year. Like, it was something that I've never had happen ever since, um, but something that, like, truly touched me um, and that's something I've still kept, that I've never shared. Um, my wife knows I have it, but uh, yeah, and I don't share it. But um, you know, it was it was super special. I, I love going to war for Dino. Dino also held Trevor Gillies accountable. You know, so like if I was starting to creep up there on the scale, um, Kevin Dean is a fucking ripped up savage. I mean, he's in great. He was in great shape. Um, he probably still is. Real big on fitness. Um, and so, you know, extra bike time, extra skating. Uh, he had this machine that LeBron James, I believe, and certain athletes use. It's called the Versa Climber. If you've, yep. never, if you've never hopped on a Versa Climber, I can tell you it is fucking hell. So I usually just walk past it. Yeah, and make like you do <laughs> certain sprints on it or a certain amount of period of time. Um, that is one of the most hardcore machines you'll ever do in a gym if you're a kid or anyone listening um as well as i recommend the jacobs ladder navy seals and cops do it and stuff like that it's savage and then obviously the revolving staircase but um you know those are hardcore but no i love playing for dino um he knew how to use me he gave me more ice time than i was used to um which was nice um to be a piece besides obviously what i what i brought every other year um, you know, I kind of came into my own, um, to be honest under him. And, um, you know, shortly thereafter is when, you know, learning from him and playing on such a good hockey team with so many talented players, um, you know, you get better. Um, and just, you know, how he held, he was so respected because of the career he had, how hard you wanted to work for a guy like that. Um, and you know, how he helped everyone accountable was just like super impressive to me. Um, you know, it was, it was one of the best teams I ever played on. Um, we made it to the semis and unfortunately ran into a super hot goalie and uh, Hershey and I'm um, lost in game seven and double OT with like a minute or two left. And, um, you know, they went on to just absolutely crush Milwaukee four straight for the Calder cup. So, um, you know, a, su- a super special team, but obviously we, we fell short and, you know, with the ultimate goal always being win a win a championship, but um, definitely, definitely a special uh, a special time playing for him and, and with with that group of guys. Now, um, many athletes have been immortalized with the bobblehead, and I'm sure a lot of them are probably just like, yeah, whatever. But <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, Portland was uh, the first team that immortalized you with a bobblehead. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, they did. I, uh, it was. Um... I believe it was voted on by the fans. I'm pretty positive, actually. Yeah. And three guys that were chosen was um, Killer Kamensky. Yep. 
Um, Shane O'Brien and myself. Yeah, I have two of them. Oh, that's sick. So, um, killer, you know, I don't know. I didn't study killers, right? Because I didn't play with killer, but I have, uh, you know, probably have killer's hat downstairs and mm-hmm. um, a killer hockey um, that he sent me. I owe him a couple picks and I will get them. Well, let me tell you, maybe this will give you an idea. So, I, I've been blessed to have many friendships with athletes like yourself and i i love watching you guys play every shift and the thing with killer is i mean killer's a lot smaller than a lot of you guys um but on and sometimes you guys play and not you know uh maybe you're setting something up on this shift for something down the road or the next game or something i i will say this i don't i i always say i i have too many friends to say who my favorite player is because i don't really have one because i enjoyed all you guys but i've always said on a shift by shift basis, Kevin Kaminsky is the guy I had the most fun watching because it was just as soon as he hopped over the boards, <laughs> you didn't know what was going to happen. And it, you know, like if, if I'm watching it. you, if I'm watching the Islanders and they throw your line out there and then the other team makes a change, then there's a bunch of Europeans out there. Probably nothing's gonna happen. With Killer, it didn't matter. He just was a he had tunnel vision, he was a kamikaze. And I always say on a shift-by-shift basis, there was nobody I had more fun watching than that guy. I mean, and and I'm really, I just, I'm not, this isn't about killer, let's say, but I. Well, I'm glad you brought him up because I like, I respect the hell out of him too. Like, uh, he is um, a great friend of mine. All of his career, I proudly have his his hat and I also have a couple signed picks. So, killer, I got a couple coming to you. I just got to get them printed out, buddy. It's uh, it's not exactly a hot commodity here in Augusta, Georgia. (laughs) Well, to me, he's the to me he's the Portland Pirate, and that's not to take anything away from anyone else who played there. Uh, but you know, first season there, they win the Calder Cup. He's a big part of it. Him and Kerry Clark played on a line. But was that back uh, in '95 uh, or something? It was '93, '94. Okay, I think. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So, and what happened was for me. Obviously, and I'm a, I'm an Islanders fan, so I rooted for Springfield, and then I rooted for Capital District, and then the Islanders moved their team to the IHL. Hey, dude, what the hell is Capital District? I haven't even heard of that. That's Troy. So that that's uh, uh, okay. So okay, Troy, so, New York. Okay, I yes, love that old rank there too. I played a few right. teams in there with Albany River Rats. Right. So that was that's where they in that organization when the Islanders took their affiliation and moved it to the IHL. Capital District actually was the or- the organization was the team that moved to Albany and became the River Rats. So the owner the ownership knew every day. I didn't know that. I never yeah. knew Capital District. That's that's great. They were in Capital District for a couple of seasons, and then the uh, Islanders pulled their affiliation, and the owners of that of the uh, CD Islanders moved their uh, organization to Albany, and they became the River Rats, and then the Devils took over there see it helps being an old man and you know all this stuff but i didn't have a team to root for in the american league so i'm looking around see who's here who's here and uh I, you know killer I, I loved killer uh kerry clark you know wendell's brother he was with the islanders for a while they had brian yeah so i'm like all right i'm gonna root for portland and it turned out great they won the calder cup and that was my first exposure to barry trotz so uh see out of all the legendary guys who play for Portland, Killer is to me uh, obviously not the longevity that Bob Nystrom had here with the Islanders, but to me, if there's a Mister Pirate, it's definitely Kevin Kaminsky. I love it. Yeah, no, he's a good dude, man. He's the real deal. I never met O'Brien, so I don't have his bobblehead. I got yours and Killer's. You need to get it. Um, 
His probably looks the best. Um, he had a mohawk at the time. Nice. And uh, mine, I don't think, looks that much like me, to be honest. Um, they yeah. got one done. They did one, not me, but the team did one when I was with um, South Carolina Stingrays and I was a lot older and they, I had a full beard then, so it has all that. So that one looks like really like me. Yeah, so that's expensive on eBay. It's, it's an honor to have, have those. And, you know, when the fans come up, you bring me a bobblehead. I mean, it's, it's always cool, you know, um, especially with kids. So, um, you know, but I love my time in Portland, man. I mean, all, most of my stops along the way, I, I I would get the fan favorite trophy or the community service award. You know, just loved all my stops. But, man, Portland is probably my favorite American League stop. Um, I know I'm sorry to the other fans from the other places listening. But just such a cool place. Like, you know, the beach, the old, the, you know, our team was so good. The barn would be sold out. You know, you got the old port there for restaurants and bars and good fishing and um, just a passionate fan base and just such a cool place to play. Like we live, I lived downtown the first year with my, uh, with Danielle. I mean, we weren't at the time, but Danielle and my stepson. And um, the second year we moved out to um, Higgins Beach and we rented a beach house, like right, right by the, the water. I had a dog, my dog Proby, who's not with us anymore, named after Bob Probert. Um, best dog ever had him like almost 13 years and, and bulldogs old english only lived like eight to ten years usually so he was a warrior but you know just a cool spot and um my daughter was conceived in portland um we ended up having her um that summer and then i ended up going to obviously we'll talk about that later but carolina and albany but um you know i fond fond memories and still have um some really good friends that are not in hockey that are in the city of portland um just a great spot. I mean, one of one of my favorites along the a long journey. And that concludes part two with Trevor Gillies. So far, it's been an absolute blast, and I hope you people have enjoyed it as much as I have. So stay tuned. Part three will be presented to you next Monday. Until then, have a great week and be safe. Mm-hmm.